This is Patriots Playbook. The legend. I'm not sure that there's a, a delicate way to put this, other than really just one succinct comment about Saturday night. I'd be feeling a lot more better. Better about New England or worse about Buffalo? I'd be feeling a lot better about New England. The hell with Buffalo. This isn't Bill's playbook. I was 16-2 and two against the spread. <laughs> what the hell am I doing here? I need to go to Vegas, baby. Do I think he may need a little wake-up call himself? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Especially when it comes to what, Eric? i sorry. I You blanked. I did. <laughs> now, here's your host of Patriots Playbook, John Rook. Right, that's actually a pretty good start. I, he, you know, Matt put a Marine put a little uh, a new open together for the new year, or is this the end of the old year? I never forget, I never remember which one it's it beginning is. Beginning of the new year. It's the beginning of the new year, right? Yeah. Even though officially the new year doesn't begin until next month. Yeah, but, right. Yeah, it's we're not in the twenty twenty one season anymore. Right. So. This is the off season for twenty twenty two. Yeah. Yeah. Officially, mm-hmm. welcome everybody into Patriots Playbook. Uh, it is our first official of seven. Off, uh, you know, seasoned editions of the playbook. As again, uh, for the uninitiated, uh, we do the playbook usually on Thursdays, regularly during the football season, starting with the very uh, the week before the first game. But during the off season, we go to a monthly version rather than the weekly version, and we talk about not only the issues that are going on with the Patriots, of course, but also uh, with other things going around the NFL. To wit. Uh, not only Eric uh, in with us today, but Zach Cox for joining us from Nesson.com on some of the Patriots news that's being made. Chris Price from the Boston Globe, longtime uh, Patriots writer and reporter for the Globe. And then our one and only good friend, the guru himself, Russell Baxter from ProFootballGuru.com. Uh, we'll talk about some NFL issues as well uh, in the program. You should also know that anytime you have a question, look, this is an open forum. We always do an open forum on this show. So even though I have guests, I have guests because I like to have conversations. I I don't think it should necessarily be me spouting off what I think off the top of my head, although I will certainly do that when the situation warrants. But I like to have semi-intelligent conversations with people that I believe are in the know. And Eric. Semi. Wow. (laughs) I know. Right? Matisse, it's good to see you, my man. All right, thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, Marine is actually uh, enjoying a little. Yeah, he's joining a little Disney World this week, so he's got Minnie and Mickey. He's on Liberty, as they say, yeah, on the Liberty. Military. Yeah, he's got Minnie and Mickey coming out the wazoo this mm-hmm. week. So, uh, but so that's really cool. I'm glad for him. Glad for his family. It's good to see Matisse. Good to see you, my friend. Thank you. Likewise. Um, the off season goes by all too slowly, but here we are already a month now into it. Uh, you're not really in an off season because you got Friar hoops, right? Yeah, I got basketball out the wazoo. Tell too, me so. something before we go into football. Please. All right, all are right. they going to win a tournament game this year? <laughs> God, nothing like getting hammered with that right are off the they? bat. Uh, they should. I know they should. They should have they the last have, five or six times have last, been in. Yeah, I, I understand that. That's all anybody that follows college basketball around here wants to know is Providence. You know, oh, it's great. They're good again. Yeah, Are they going to win in March? Right. Are they going to win in the tournament? I, I don't even care if they go to Sweet 16. I just want them to win one game in the tournament. I do, too. That's I'm it. with you. I'm with you. They, anything more than that? Well, I'll put great. it to you this way. You know, they, the, they did the, the top 16 reveal this last week, kind of like they do for the CFP when they, you know, um, when we get yeah. to college football, Rankings, right? Or, yeah. So, in effect, what they do in college basketball, the selection committee, gives a snapshot view of who they think would be the top four seeds in each region. Yeah. The Friars were the four seed in the South region. Oh, So that's 
considered, uh, if you don't know anything about the NCAA tournament in this country, for those of you that are living abroad, across the pond, um, you, you, that's a, considered a protected seed, which means then, you a know, seed? a protected seed. A protected seed. Protected yeah. seed, yeah. which means then you have at least, a, 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 I would say, at least an equal opportunity, 50-50 shot of getting into the round of 16. Mm. Now, well, that would be winning two games the first weekend, and then the next week you go into the round of 16, yeah. and you have a shot at it. It doesn't happen that way all the time, because as we know, that upsets, yeah, upsets do occur, and that's the beauty of the NCAA tournament. Mm. You know, Providence is having an extraordinary year, and for those of you who follow me on, on um, social media, you understand that really my two great loves, and also part of my employ every year is the NFL and college basketball. Those are the two sports that I tend to focus on, primarily at least over the last I don't know how many years, Eric. Jesus, decades. We got to go by decades. Okay. Now, well, right? this will be year thirty-one with the Patriots. Right. So this this is year thirty-three with the Friars. So three plus decades. Damn, I'm in my fourth decade on both of those. Yeah. I'm old. Well, I'll be fifty next year. So damn, you hit the big five zero in January next year. Yeah. Wow. So you just turned forty-nine. Oh, I just turned forty-nine. Yeah. I knew that. Happy in birthday. My San Happy belated year, birthday. As I tell yeah. my friends on the West Coast. Right, right, right. I remember we I'm talked a 49er about 49er for the yeah, next year. Yeah, you're 49er months. for the next year. Yeah, for the next year. Mm. Wow. Well, 50 doesn't hurt. Oh, I'm not worried about the fi- number fi- itself. Fi- it's fi- just, 50, uh, 50 does not hurt. 60 sucks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Matisse. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that, man. Don't even, don't even look at me. He's don't like, even look hear at him me. laughing through the glass. I know. He's. You know. How, old are, you? How old are you, Matisse? He's not even 30 yet. You're not even 30. He wasn't 28! Even, he wasn't even born when you started working with the Friars or the Patriots. Look at him laugh. Yeah, yeah. You'll look be, at those, you'll wait, be wait, here wait. one day look if at you're those, lucky. Look at those white, perfect yeah. teeth. You will, be, you will be here one day, my friend, if you're lucky. <laughs> look at him. Look at him. And oh you'll, my be, God. you'll be grateful to the God above if you make it this far. <laughs> The, well, it goes without saying, I got socks in my drawer older than you are. I know for a fact I have T-shirts older than you are. I do. I, t- I, I do. I would not be the pack rat that I am, and Miss Robin knows that as well as anybody, but mm. I have T-shirts from yeah. well back in the day. Yeah, I believe it. Okay. But you know what? Uh, it's comfortable. It's comfortable. And I keep them out of her sight, and that way hopefully <laughs> it doesn't bother her too much. So, But she knows they're there, so. All right, so uh, we've digressed enough off the top, but that's kind of what we do here. And I'd really love for you guys listening on, uh, you know, to the show, especially those of you that are listening live. If you're listening to the podcast, well, there's just not a damn thing we can do about it. But I would tell you that we usually come up with the date uh, of our monthly podcast before you know the end of the show. I don't think we picked even a show, Matisse, for for next month. So. Uh, I may have to speak to Matt about this, but it'll be at the end of March, probably the last Wednesday in March, as long as the Friars aren't playing somewhere by then. Well, let's hope they are. Well, if they are, then I guess I could do it remotely, wherever I am. I could do it from, you know, uh, Press Row or something in San Antonio, Texas, or wherever the hell we are. Where's the Uh, South region? uh, The South region, the first, second rounds, believe it or not, one of them, uh, one of the, the regionals is in my hometown in Fort Worth. I don't think we're going there, though. I don't think we'll go there. You don't? No, because if we're a protected seed in the east region, my guess is we'll stay east, uh, which means Buffalo or Pittsburgh. Oh, you don't think of hoops when you think of those two towns. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. The only thing I'm looking forward to are food-related in those yeah, two instances. Yeah, sure. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I would uh, then lean toward Pittsburgh yeah. if that's the case. Well, I, I do dig me some Primantis, mm-hmm. so we'll have to see if we can't work that out. Yeah. 
And then and DeLuca's you, for breakfast. Yeah, DeLuca's for breakfast, which is an awesome place, as you well know. Be we, less crowded during the non, I would think so. non-football season. Yeah, right? I would think so that it would be. And, of course, in Buffalo, you know, then I'll hit Duff's one night and I'll hit, you know, Anchor Bar another. So, you know, that kind of thing. Right? If yeah. I have to. Although I, I, need to, I need to infer that I will have my mask with me. I will, I will be masked. I, I, I'm still a little, I'm, you know. That's fine. You know, here's the thing. Um, uh, I know we'd get around to it at some point in time. I'm really happy to see us progress. I'm really happy to see us be less stupid than we really have been over the course of the last two years, for much of the last two years of this pandemic. But here's the thing. It, the science changes all the time. Uh, I, I think we've proven that we can handle it here as long as we're smart. And if you're not vaccinated, if you're not boosted, you know, whatever, just, you know, hey, do us a solid and stay the hell away. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. Or at least wear a mask. That's all, you know, that's it. And I opined about this a lot during the season, probably uh, to the chagrin of many. But, uh, I, you know, hey, th- this, is, this is a once in, hopefully, a once in 100 year thing, you know, that we don't have to go through again. And if we do have to go through it again, I hope we don't go through it the same way, you know. And yeah, once is enough. For a lifetime. I, listen, I'm sick of masks. Let, I, I don't let, want, I let want the wearing. next century deal with the, their exactly. pandemic. We've got ours. Exactly. And I'm, I'm ready I'm, for it to be done. I'm done. I know we're all done. So here's the issue, though. I, I've got games that I've got coming up here, and when I don't go to games, I don't get paid. Mm. It's the same way in the football season. It's the same way in the basketball season. So I take extra precaution. I don't care what you think about a mask's uh, well-being or the mask's purpose or whether it works or not. I'm doing every little thing that I can to make sure that I'm healthy so I don't have to miss games, which means I miss paychecks. And so if you keep me from missing my paycheck, I got a problem with you. Simple. Simple. Good. I'll stay on this side of the console. <laughs> Please. I know. Although we got to get over all these monitors that are in here today, huh? Yeah, that's okay. Are they really playing soccer this weekend? They are, aren't they? They they've played a couple of uh, little like uh, internal scrimmages. And, and they and they already. and the Rebs launched the regular season this weekend. Yeah, in Portland. Did they have an off season? I think I think I blinked and it was over. Right. Yeah. Because they played. Yeah. Uh, they opened they up the playoffs. In the, playoffs, so, yeah. in the first of November, lost. Yeah. Right. Got upset in the I opening round. It was round. December, wasn't it? Was it first of December or first of November? Because you went to the game, didn't you, Tease? It was December, I think. Yeah. It was December? Yeah. So we had what? Two months of an offseason? They had, a, they had about maybe six weeks. Oh, man. See, that's, Less than that because that's, they, they're that's, part of the new uh, MLS Champions League kind of thing. So right. Like, but, but that's where. Starting that's where, even earlier. Right. But that's where soccer just screws itself. Well, that's how it is in Europe. They end in mid to late May or early June, depending on if your, your team advances to the, the various uh, uh, championships mm. that they have. And uh, you start preseason in. Uh, mid to late july and then by mid-august you're back in back into the season so but you know at some point in time you know your uh your your physical uh abilities needed need some downtime that's why to it's a young man's game oh, no kidding no kidding you don't see a lot of you know 30 35 play. i mean cristiano ronaldo's an exception nowadays he's like 37 and he's still playing at a really high level that's that's the uh that's the exception rather than the rule. Listen to Eric drop a Cristiano Ronaldo mention. That's nice. I know my international football. Yes, okay. I do. Okay. Where's Matt Turner going to play? Arsenal, my favorite team. Oh. No, okay. All right. Don't get uppity. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's my club, man. <laughs> I was psyched club? when I heard that. Really? Yeah. No I was a little surprised because they have a top flight goaltender. Doesn't that suck for the Aaron Revs? Ramsdale. Doesn't that suck for the Revs? 
It's minor yes, league. it does. Yeah, but you know, it does. I mean, the, you know, MLS I, is a stepping stone to the Europe. Well, I think we all realize that you know everything is a stepping stone to pr- the Premiership when it comes to pretty much soccer. I mean, you got what? You got Serie A. You got yeah. um, uh, La Liga, La Liga, Liga Bundesliga. Bundesliga. You know, those are all great right. uh, European leagues. Right, but, but I mean, the king of the Premiership is the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. I get that. Uh, the rookie's uh, favorite team is Liverpool. Oh, I know. We've had that discussion. Oh, you've had the discussion? When he's him. been in, in the studio, yeah. All right, okay. Yeah, we've, we've battled about that. Well, I told you why that is, though. And I, yeah, the family, I told, can, the familial yeah, connection. Yeah, I've told yeah. Claire this, and I've told you know a lot of our uh, UK fans this, but uh, yeah, my family roots come from mm-hmm. uh, that area of uh, the UK. Mm-hmm. So that's why. It's fine. No particular affinity other than that. That's where, you know, that's where we be from. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got to admit that... <sighs> I'm I'm a little antsy about this whole you know uh, franchise tag thing that started you know the, the clock started ticking antsy yesterday. Antsy in, in what way? Well, because m- my personal feeling is is that J.C. Jackson for the Patriots deserves to be franchised. Uh, probably should be franchised when you consider the long term view. I'm not convinced based on you know previous track record of this team and Bill Belichick that that is going to be the case. In fact, I would suggest otherwise. That my guess is, is that they decide to move on. It's just a guess. But I will tell you, though, Eric, that it seems to me to make more sense to sign him and then potentially trade him to get more than what you'd get in a compensatory pick if you just let him go. Yeah. Does it not? Yeah, I I, I, uh, I, I kind of agree, and especially after uh, the comments that he made to our friend and colleague Phil Perry this week. Uh, let me get the exact quote, but I believe it was somewhere along the lines of Mr. INT needs to get paid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Generally, players yeah. on this team that come out and say don't, that don't get paid. They don't get paid. They get dealt or they get let go. Um, my, uh, yeah, it's time to get Mr. INT paid was the exact quote that he gave. Um, he did say if they tag me, I'll play, but I think yeah, that was, he sort, backtracked, of a, that was sort of a throwaway line, I yeah. think. What, what I... Th- I think he's basically talked himself out of town. But if I were making the decisions in uh, the front office, I would tag Jackson nonetheless Mm -hmm. in an effort to trade him Mm -hmm. because I would not want to just let him go for nothing. No, no, no. No, you can't do that. You you don't even want to let him, you know, I mean, yeah. Now, if you tag him, you have to be willing to absorb the nearly, uh, what is it, $17-plus million contract that he would – uh, be deserving if he signs the tender because you might not find a trading partner. Right. Now, I, I think there are teams who would want him, but you have to, if you w- take the risk of tagging him, you have to assume the risk of paying him mm-hmm. if nobody wants to trade with you. Mm-hmm. So to do that, they would have to clear, uh, they would have to do some accounting over the next uh, month or so. But... Uh, I, I just wouldn't. I, I would hate to see him just slip away and not, you know, not get anything for this team in return. Well, that's my big fear, and I guess that's why I'm antsy about this. To be honest with you, because quite frankly, I, I don't want to see the Patriots. I thought, you know, and I think everybody can say pretty much in hindsight that 
there should have been a better way to handle Jimmy Garoppolo when he left. And this is a little different situation. I realize that because we're talking about a franchise tag and mm. free agency and the like. But they wanted to get some value for the player. And if you're going to really get value, and, and apparently that's what this organization has really feasted on over the last years, is trying to get value. You try to get you know pennies for the dollar, that or you know dollar dollars for the pennies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, know, you yeah, know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, they're going to miss this if they don't do something proactive. So I hope that they're working toward at least tagging him and then figuring out if there's a trade partner because yeah. there have to be at least a half a dozen teams or more that are crying for uh, considered a uh, you know a guy who'd be considered a, a number one cornerback. He's a, he's a he's a bona fide starting cornerback in this sure. league and he's he's New England's number one cornerback. Sure. I don't know if I necessarily consider him in the upper echelon of cornerbacks. He makes plays, uh, I'll give him that. But um, I, I don't know if I'd be I don't know if I'd be willing to to invest what he's going to command. Uh, he also said that he hasn't heard yet from the Patriots. And well, I believe that I actually believe. Yeah, that. I believe that too. And and it's not unusual because typically they tend to wait till the very last minute to make decisions in uh, the franchise fortnight that we just entered into. So. Um, but it, it's it's got him already feeling snubbed. I guess they feel they don't need me, he said. I guess I can't be that important to them. That's also part of the I know I am, but they're not showing me. I mean... It's part of the war of the words. Yeah, it's, the, it's the negotiations that goes on between both sides. It's, I know. It's, it's posturing. It is, but... He's a guy who's never shied away from making those kind no, of comments and, either. And, that, and, 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 and we, we know how the Patriots operate. They usually they don't operate. They don't like. They prefer that you keep your mouth shut, mm. and we understand that. And I think most guys, that if they do keep their mouth shut and they do end up sticking around, they're probably glad they did. Yeah, and I mean, I'm thinking of guys in the past who have, you know, breached the, uh, the unwritten rule here that you don't speak out. You know, Logan Mankins, uh, briefly Vince Wilfork. I mean, both of those guys eventually stayed after their their contract squabbles, but you know, Vince played for another team to end his career. Right. So did Logan, and it was a shame because Mankins was probably the best offensive lineman they've had here since John Hanna. Agreed. And it's unfortunate that he never got to win a Super Bowl. No, but it was a move though that they eventually recovered from yeah. and recovered from nicely. But I'd say both of those guys did more for the Patriots in their careers when they got to their contract squabbles than Jackson has. Mm-hmm. Would you? Uh yeah, yeah, I'd say so. So I think they were a little bit more deserving of their their stances, maybe than than Jackson might be. But hey, the guy was undrafted. He wants to get paid. You can't really blame him, I, I guess. You, you know, you have to look at that, the other side of it, too. Mm-hmm. You're only young once. Right, Matisse? <laughs> oh, God. I don't, I don't even want to look over there anymore now. I love you, Matisse, but, you know, the <laughs> fact that I found out that, you know, he's, he's less than half my age. Wow. I know. There's serious ageism go going on in this studio. Hey, look, you're on a college <laughs> campus every day. You're used to seeing kids uh, who are less than half your age. Uh, well, don't I know it? <laughs> don't I know it? Um, so anyway, that's what I, that's how I feel about Jackson's situation. Yeah. So I do believe that you know I I, I hope I mean look if they were to uh, announce tomorrow they're they're bringing him you know in under the franchise tag for one season I'd feel I feel good about that. 
you know, number one, because we've seen that the man can make plays. Uh, does he have, you know, some ability to kind of, um, you know, uh, not make plays at time? Well, I thought the last game of the year was kind of evidence of that. Uh, but I think I'd feel better knowing that you have somebody that you can well, kind of rely upon yeah. at least to make plays because of the number of you know interceptions that he's that he's had over the last three years. I'm of two minds here because if you just get him for the one year, what good is that going to do you? You know, you've had well, him for the last four years, and last year, I mean, he didn't are really you closer to being competitive? Than you know, competitive enough to actually challenge to 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 get into an AFC title game. Not from what I saw in uh, well, no, I would January. agree with that. But it, a lot of it will certainly depend. and on defense in particular. Yeah, exactly, and a lot of it depends upon what happens. I think very much with this free agent class this offseason, whether or not the Patriots can't afford to even dip into it. I don't right? think they can do much. I'm not sure they can either. So you know, are you do you want to remain competitive, or are you just going to tear it down? And I think this move will probably speak to that end. Because if you don't re-sign him and you let him go and you go for your third-round compensatory or whatever, I, I think you're kind of like, okay, well, you know what? Maybe we need to buckle down and just you know bear down and see if we can squeeze into the playoffs again another year before we can build back yeah. up. I, I don't know that there's anybody that has real stomach for that around here. Well, I mean, you might have to get used to that. I mean, <laughs> it's, people are so spoiled. I, I know. We're victims. Uh, we're all victims of the success. Yeah, I mean, just look around the league. You don't snap your fingers and turn yourself into a Super Bowl winner. These things take time. Well, how did the and Patriots? How did the Patriots do it in two thousand one? Lightning in a bottle. But it turned out they had more than lightning in a bottle. Well, yeah, sure, but they needed they needed the key to the ignition. Yeah, everything went their <laughs> way that year. But then, they, how many other cliches I can come no, up with? No, but like they, they they didn't realize at the time that they had the best quarterback, the best coach, right? You know, a lot right. more talent than we gave them credit for. I mean. Right. What we saw last month was a far cry from 2001, John. Uh, yeah, and that's why I'm thinking. Well, you know, if we um, if we consider last year as the base and building up from the 10 and seven, and and uh, hopefully you know going from this point forward, then to me, J.C. Jackson coming back to the team has got to be part of that foundation. But there's not a lot of history here. I mean, uh, our good friend Greg Bedard even you know pointed this out in this week's. Uh, Boston Sports Journal, you know, he, you know, the last few free agents uh, in the franchise tag with the Patriots since 2007. You know, Joe Tooney signed with Kansas City. Uh, Guskowski signed an extension here. Welker signed with Denver. Mankin signed the extension five years. Mm-hmm. Will Fork, extension five years. Yep. Castle traded to Kansas City. Uh, Asante Samuel uh, signed with Philadelphia for six years. So you're looking at what? One, two, three extensions. Uh, one, two. Two, three, four, moving on to other teams mm-hmm. out of the seven. Yeah, well, Tooney did play that that year under the. Under he played the tag. one year that under one the year, tag. that one year under the one tag. one year under the tag, and then yeah. that was and then that was it, and that yeah. was it. Yeah. So there's not a whole lot of history here behind signing him for a year, right? And then yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I'm not holding uh, my breath waiting for them to tag him, but if I'm just saying, if I were doing it, I would want to try to get what I could for him. You know, I would not want to just let him slip away. Mm-hmm. So, but there's 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 risk involved there, you know, the risk that you don't find someone to trade with, and now you have to pay him or extend him, you know, sign him to an extension, which would probably be the more uh, palatable solution if they were to keep him. I wouldn't want to just keep him for one year because you're not one year away from winning a Super Bowl. Well, that's just the thing, and and that may ultimately be why Eric, and I think you just hit the nail on the head. 
that may be why they don't re-sign him or they don't sign, put him on the tag because they don't feel like he's a long-term solution. And look, you're right. Why bring him around for another year and spend the money? And then have to go through all this next year. And have year to go again. through it again in another year. Yeah. So they may just decide to go ahead now and look for the future. Yeah. And and that, to me, uh, probably makes some sense. I just, I'm looking at it really short term. I'm not looking at it long term. I you know, I want to see how competitive this team can be next year. Can they take another step forward from ten and seven? I don't know. Mm. I mean I, you I know, have my doubts right I, now. I, I kinda do too. I think a lot of it depends on who comes back and, you know, which free agents they decide to keep and if they decide to delve into, you know, a couple of other choice free agents, that kind of thing. I there's a lot of ground still to cover between now and say even June when yeah. you get to OTAs around here. Yeah. And so, but this is the first step. We're on the precipice now of taking that first step between now and March 8th. So if you're listening to this on the podcast in March, it's quite possible that you already know what's happened. Yeah. So what we're trying to do here, though, is tell you, all right, so the decision around J.C. Jackson is forthcoming. What do you do in the aftermath of that? And a lot of it, what you do in the aftermath, is predicated on what you do with him to begin with. Right. And, you know, uh, that if they make a tag move – and we're assuming it's Jackson. Odds are it's not going to be till the very last second of that deadline, so mm-hmm. around March 8th. I would expect it to be you know, close to the end of the They're going to wait until they possibly can. Oh, they yeah. No reason. I mean, uh, you know, unless they start trying to hammer out a deal unless, now and, or yeah. whatever. That, and, but, unless they come to a deal. According to these quotes that Jackson gave to our friend Phil right. yesterday, right. doesn't look like they've started even, so that's not a good sign. Anyway. From March eighth, your next de- your next uh, uh, point on the calendar is the sixteenth, or even actually less than that, because the fourteenth is the start of the legal tampering period. So, the eighth, and then less than a week later, you've got you know some decisions you got to start making. Okay, based on what you do with Jackson, there's 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 a lot, and then that determines what you do in the draft. You know. If you if you take Jackson, if you sign a cornerback, now you feel like okay, we've bolstered our cornerback room. Now, what do you do in the draft? Do you turn to linebacker, receiver, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker? You got options now, but it all starts with this. Is there anybody worth tampering with to bring in? I mean, would you would you can you identify of, of any free agents that are out well, there? Well, we it's funny you say that because starting on Monday you're going to start looking our, at it, right? My, no, we've already started looking okay. at it. We've my uh, colleague Mike Dussault and I are going to do our annual free agent forecast, which we'll do one a day, uh, Monday through Friday next week, and Monday through Friday the following week, which leads us up to the legal tampering period. So we go position by position, and we give you who the free agents are on this team, who the free agents are across the other 31 teams. And who might be a fit. And who might be a fit for this team. Okay. So start looking for those on Monday okay. and position by position. What's a position of uh, ultimate uh, immediate need? Again, does quarterback de- could be. Does it depend on J.C. Jackson? Yeah. It, it, See, it there depends. we go. We're it starting all depends with, on And you can solve that problem tag. by just you know, well, tagging him. Well, I don't know if you solve the problem but because there's still – you still need depth there. You, you, have, you don't okay, have but it. You'd, have a, you'd have something to solve for next year. You still need more depth there. Okay. Because you've had a lot of fails at that position. Mm-hmm. And you did this last year. Yeah. So, but that's, that's, your, that's the first domino that needs to fall. What are you doing with the franchise tag, if anything? Okay. Then you start looking at, okay, how much cap space do we have to spend uh, between the 14th and the, and the 16th? Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be as much as last year, so don't get all you know excited about 
you know, the big spending spree like there was last offseason. There's going to be very little of that. Mm-hmm. And if it is, it's going to be lower-level players who aren't going to – names you're not going to necessarily recognize. Then you have to hope that you draft as well as you did this past year and right. get your top three players to contribute immediately and, and be good players. Well, that, that's, so. as, that's as good a transition as any because we clearly have had a move, you know, moves in the front office and uh, with, you know, with uh, uh, Ziegler out and yeah. Grow in, yeah. you know, as the, uh, you know, director of uh, uh, player personnel. Yep. Um, I, I'm curious to know what you feel uh, are the strengths and or the weaknesses because uh, you've got Matt Grow who comes in with certainly a, a pedigree here in the area. His dad is former assistant coach here, and yep. uh, he's been a scout here for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, now he gets to run the, the scouting department and the player development department, and here is a guy that clearly um, contributed to a successful draft class a year ago. So at least initially – it looks like he kind of knows what he's doing, which is part of the reason why I'm sure you know the organization decided to put him in that position and give him that opportunity to do that. Yeah, he's been around. I mean, that's his strength. <laughs> he knows the system. He knows what they want here, so he's familiar. He's got the pedigree, as you mentioned. Uh, that's the pros. The cons, he's never been a manager before. He's never been in this, uh, you know, well, position. But again, that's what happens. Was Dave a lot Ziegler around. happens a you lot. Know? I mean, yeah. you, you it get, happened you with Ziegler too. Yeah, I mean, you get the experience by being given the chance. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. But you know, there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of uncertainty around the coaching staff. Um, so there's there's there are a lot of reasons to be um, cautious in your expectations uh, for 2022. Uh, and that's why I am not. Uh, um, I'm not projecting anything better I'm than not what we either. saw last year. Well, I'm, I'm not projecting anything. Period. Because and again, I don't, they I don't made know any moves yet. They haven't made any right, moves. Right. There's yet. no moves. No, so we I, don't I, even. I could yeah. feel a lot better two months from now. Yeah. Based on sure. you know, some of the things they've done. Sure. But where they are now, I don't feel great about uh, improving upon ten and seven. Well, it, it, I mean, if things kind of stay relatively flat and don't move, let's say they don't bring J.C. Jackson back, then mm-hmm. you've got a gaping hole to take care of in the secondary, not to mention the depth that you were talking about earlier. You've got you've you got, got to get younger and faster and more athletic in need, the linebacking core. You need front seven help. Yeah. You need secondary help. You need wide receiver help. You need offensive line help. Sure. Where do you start? You might, need, you might need quarterback help. Depth? I, I don't. I, that, I'm not concerned with that. You re-signing Brian Hoyer? I'm not concerned with that. No, not no. at all. It's Mac Jones's team, and if well, I know Jones, that. But are you? What no, hap- I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter. Okay, all right. It doesn't matter if you lose him. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it really doesn't. <laughs> You're dead on arrival anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So. Probably a fair assessment. All right. One other quick uh, thought here, then. Uh, thoughts on the uh, the coaching moves and bringing in, you know, uh, Joe Judge, yeah, obviously I, I from the Giants. What, I don't know what he's doing. Matt, well. Uh, that, I don't know what he's doing. The media reports are this week that he's going to work uh, more uh, with the quarterbacks uh, now. Yeah. And Matt Patricia is going to go work with the offensive line. Uh, uh, if you believe those reports. Okay. I think that's all we have to go on until, until the organization tells us. And, and the organization is probably not going to tell you. So we're going to have to wait until May and June when we see them out on the practice field. And Who's which, working with whom? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there's a lot, there are a lot, of, a lot of green coaches on this team. And a lot of guys whose roles are uh, which is, uh, nebulous. Which is 100% why I thought it would have been a really cool idea uh, to not only bring back in Bill O'Brien, but also to go out and, and you know, take a stab at uh, Brian Flores. Well, uh, yeah, just very quickly on that. It, everybody assumes that Bill O'Brien wanted to come back here. Did anybody ask him? 
No. I Anybody asking so. what he wanted? I don't think so. Yeah, that's where I was like, I mean, just because there's an opening at the Patriots doesn't mean doesn't people are dropping everything they're going to do and come, come running back, back here. Yeah, right. He could be perfectly happy down in Tuscaloosa or in the college ranks. He might win all. more in Tuscaloosa. Well, but he might want to be a college coach, not an NFL coach. Well, he uh, was knows? already. He was already. He's been both. He's, he was at and Penn State. He's gave up the Penn State well, job to take the Texans job. Before Penn State, he, he started as a college coach. Right, right. He was at Georgia Tech. Before he came before here. Before he came here. He's, he's been at big programs in the NFL and in the uh, college ranks. So maybe he likes that better. People just assume, oh, snap your fingers, bring him back. I mean, they might not want to come back. I, I actually get a chuckle when I see that. You yeah. know, and they just say, oh, yeah, well, Bill O'Brien should be a candidate. Well, why? Did anybody ask Bill? Yeah. And I think we saw, we heard, uh, we heard all we needed to hear when Nick Saban said, well, that's news to me. Yeah. So yeah. that pretty much because I would I would imagine that. if if he and Bill Belichick are still as tight as everybody seems to right. think they are, not going to be poaching coaches. He, yeah, he, he might have picked up the phone and said, "Hey, I want to talk yeah. to your offensive coordinator." Yeah, you know that kind of thing. So we have a relationship. Love to talk to him again. Right. See if he's interested in coming back. I mean, and you know what? Some of this stuff may have happened. None of this stuff may have happened because, quite frankly, you're right. They're not going to get out on the field for another two months. Yeah. Right. So we'll know. We'll March, know that. April, May. Yeah, May. We'll It'll be May before they May. get on. Yeah, yeah. We'll know in May. So that's where we are with this. Mm. Okay. Uh, time to do a little something. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, it's time to pull up your britches, put on your argyle sweaters, puff on your corncob pipes, and gather around the fire for Eric Scalavino's Word of the Day. All right. I'm going to be a little rusty. Here. No, it's okay. okay. It's all right. Uh, I'll try to make this <laughs> as easy as I can for you. <laughs> Omnifarious. Omnifarious? And it's Latin, so I'm yeah. doing you a favor. I know. All right. Given your history with the language. Omnifarious. Adjective. Yeah. Okay. O-M-N-I-F-A-R-I-O-U-S. Rusty, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I had to sit there and, and think about it. No, that, you got Almost it right went on. ER, and I said, nope, that's not no. it. That would that would not do it. Nope. So. Uh, nefarious. Uh, related to all sorts of varieties. Okay. New England's needs are and concerns this, uh, this offseason are omnifarious. That's a good use of the word. And they're also nefarious. <laughs> <laughs> that's also <laughs> Different true. spelling. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, there you go. Okay. I like it. That works. So, uh, let's... let's uh, Promote the series that's coming up again this next week, right? Free agent forecasts. Free agent forecasts. Yep, Monday right? through Friday, okay. starting February 28th. And then the following week, first week of March. And uh, anybody going to the uh, combine? Mike. Mike okay. Dussault is going so to the combine. So he'll go, right? Yep. So he'll be there. He'll be our boots on the, the combine ground. combine uh, outlived its usefulness because of all the pro Long days. time ago. Yeah. Did, yeah. Yeah, I think so too. But they still do the dog and pony show. They do. I mean, it's good for the, the clubs. It's of no use to the average person because you don't see anything and you don't learn anything. And guys get overinflated for doing underwear Olympic But it's events. become a thing because of NFL Network television. Right. Yeah, it's a thing. television thing. And, and now they ticket fans and it's another way for the NFL to make money. So, of course, they're <laughs> going to keep doing it. But you gain, you gain nothing as an average fan by anything you, you get from the Combine. Go search the internet, look for the guy that you like, look up his game highlights, and that's where you'll learn what he can do and what he can't. I never, I didn't ask you what you thought of the Super Bowl game. Meh. <laughs> I knew you'd say that, too. Me, too. 
Yeah, it was fine. It was a good day. I mean, I was hoping for the uh, the Bengals. Bengals. Right. Just because selfishly, I think, selfishly just, it's an AFC team. Just, well, no, I didn't care about that. I just wanted a different team. Somebody new, you know. Yeah. I, I actually different. wouldn't have minded somebody that had won before winning. That, that's why I was right? kind of going with the Bengals. Yeah. I think that would have been a good story. But yeah. Yeah, whatever. It was, it was okay. It came down to the end. I thought the refs, you know, maybe helped things along oh. at the very end, but. What is it with officiating? Not just in football, I thought they were doing great up until the very last drive. Yeah, and then all of a sudden they decided to start throwing the flags. Yeah, so, you know. Is it like, oh, God, it's the Super Bowl. We need to get seen? Yeah. What? Yeah, I don't know. Oh. So. It's yeah. just, I mean. It was I, lackluster. I just, yeah, there can't be a tougher job in the sports world than that of being a game official. It's just, uh, I just don't just get Stay it. out of the way. They stayed out of the way for three and a half quarters, and then they decided to get involved. Did you hear what happened last night in that UConn basketball game? No. Danny Hurley, you know, mm-hmm. UConn's coach, formerly at URI, right? Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a volatile yep. sort, right? He slams the table after a non-call made, you know, on one of his players. Referee, not involved in it, comes over and tees him up, Yeah. right? So it gives him the tee, and, you know, and Danny's kind of like, you know, then he kind of puts his head down like that, and he yeah. turns and he faces his crowd, and he raises his hands up to the crowd like that, and then he, and then he starts waving his arms, you know, like for, for them, them to, to get up. And, the refs? No, no, for just to, you know, get up and yeah. let's, let's fire up and let's uh-huh. go and let's overcome yeah. this, right? The same referee comes over, tees him up again, and throws him out of the game. Wow. Yeah. What the hell? I, you know, I, I see coaches all the time gesture to the crowd. All the time, and nobody gets tossed, and yet this official took it upon himself mm. to do that last night. You have a vendetta? I don't kind? know. I, I don't know what the deal is. Wow. I'm just like, these guys, you know, I, I don't, man. There's a guy that used to referee years ago uh, in the Big East, still had done some basketball in the Big Ten until recently at least, and I didn't even know if he's in the Big Ten this year because I hadn't watched enough of the games. Uh, his name's Ted Valentine. We used to call him TV Ted. Because he always wanted to get on. He always on knew how to get on TV by making <laughs> a big call or going to the monitor or do this or that. That yeah. was actually in the day before monitors. Now all the officials have to do is just go to the damn monitor and the TV camera is going to follow him. Yeah. Hey, watch this. You want to see me get on TV? I'm going to get. On, I'm going to get us all on TV here. Hi, mom. I'm going to the monitor now. Uh-huh. I'm going to look like I'm going to look like I know what I'm doing, even though I don't know what I'm doing because I just teed up the other coach. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Wow. Well. Hopefully it doesn't happen with Providence in their Hopefully. upcoming games because I want to see them just advance. Got a game tonight. Play tonight. Play tonight. Dunk. Yep, seven o'clock uh, on FS1. Great tonight. name for a basketball venue, though. The Dunk. Yeah. Well, why not? Right. Uh, the last two home games have been standing room only. Really. And we expect the last two games tonight and Saturday against Creighton to also be SRO. So that's pretty cool. That's a, that's a great atmosphere. Yeah, it's it's a good atmosphere. It's I'm I'm happy for the kids, the program. It's you know, yeah. Go PC. <laughs> they still do that chant, right? Uh, every once in a while they do. Oh, really? That's that's very that's an old one. That's huh? very 1980s and 1990s, Eric. That's that's when I used to go. That was in my wheelhouse. How about just let's go fry? Let's go fry. They still do that, right? That's timeless. Let's go. Fry. Yeah, yeah. Well, sure, all the time. All right, brother. Good luck tonight. Hey, thank you. And, and uh, I'll see you maybe next month. Yeah, totally.
We'll clue in. Thank you. At E underscore Scal, the one and only Eric Scalavino. He's always part of our uh, uh, Patriots Playbook programs during the season, be a regular part of our programs as well during the offseason as we go monthly, usually on the last Wednesday of every month. That's what we do here in the Playbook. So just so you know, and I kind of open up the conversation with today, again, this is an open conversation. So if you're listening live, I hope you pick up the phone and you'll give us a call. It's uh, 855-PATS-500, toll-free telephone number, 855-PATS-500. If you'd rather, uh, if you've got a question, you'd rather send it via email because you can't get to the phone. I certainly get that, especially if you're listening, like at the office or something, uh, which I've been known to do from time to time. So, um, web radio at patriots.com is the email address. Uh, and then, of course, you can hit me up on social media at JR Broadcaster is the Twitter handle. My Facebook page is John.Rook. So, you know, uh, if you've got questions, whatever they may be, as you know, nefarious, even though that wasn't the official word of the day, uh, but as nefarious as they might be, just fire them off. You know, we'll do our best to answer them. And if we can't answer them, well, we'll get, we'll get answers for them. So I think that's kind of how we roll here. And that's the beauty of, the, of what we do here. We kind of keep, the, we try to keep the information free flowing a little bit, give you something to think about, maybe even give you an opportunity to think of a question for the next time around. I mean, I, I will sit and I will read. Uh, voluminous amounts uh, of of you know Twitter uh, twi- tweets and and Twitter stories and things like that from websites because that's usually where you know it starts for me and I'm sure that many of you probably do the same thing. But when you're you know looking for information or you're looking for the latest, like you know gentleman we're going to talk to next, Zach Cox from Nesson from the New England Sports Network, he covers the Patriots uh, for you know his uh, uh, network's website in particular and. You know, every once in a while, you know, there's a great twist or a great angle or something that is featurey that, you know, frankly, it's not hard news, but it makes you stop and think, whoa, what if? And so that's kind of why we do this this check-in process with people who cover the team, people who cover the NFL, people who are familiar with the organization, the way that they do business. And and we're not going to ask so much anybody to look into their crystal ball, although if they want to offer a prediction, they can. Because like I said, it's an open forum here. But look, based on what the past history is and based upon – Based upon really uh, what we've seen go on, and clearly I've seen more than my fair share. Like I said, this is you know year thirty-one for me, and you know we've seen ups, we've seen downs, we've seen consistency, we've seen inconsistency, we've seen surprising moves, and we've seen predictable moves. We've seen it all, and I think that's really sort of the unique part of this entire you know relationship. If you know somebody in the media or an employee can have you know a unique relationship like that with an organization, but we kind of had that here. And so I know that from a fan's perspective, because first and foremost, look, we're all fans. I get that. Even people in the regular, everyday, run-of-the-mill, you know, mainstream media, they're fans, otherwise they wouldn't be covering the sports that they do. I mean, that just stands to reason. Nobody's going to be out there just, you know, slashing and cutting on somebody. Like, I know here in Boston, we, we love to slash and cut up on a guy like Dan Shaughnessy from The Globe. You know, just because he's curmudgeonly. That's probably putting it nicely, but you, you understand what I talk about. Dan's a big boy. He can take it. But Dan's biggest asset is the fact that he brings up the other side. He's not going to be, you know, a homer boy. And, and I like that. And so that's why I'm always looking for a contrarian opinion. Even if I think one way and the contrarians are all thinking another way, I'm interested in what they have to say to see how it balances out what I think. I hope that makes sense. I may not agree with it, 
but I want to see where the other side is coming from to make me a little bit better educated and maybe at least sit there and go, hmm, all right, you know, I hadn't given that any thought. Maybe I need to do a little research on that. Maybe I need to give that a little consideration. Maybe I'll toss it out to, you know, those of you who are listening in the audience and see what you think about it. I'm sure we'll get to some of that today. All right, we mentioned the uh, the aforementioned Zach, Zach Cox from Nesson and Nesson.com, who covers the New England Patriots. He's been a frequent contributor here inside the playbook during the regular season. He joins us here this week uh, with the Patriots playbook. Zach, how's it going today? It's doing great, John. Uh, thanks for having me back. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you. I, I know it's you know it's not quite you know as I was just talking about. It's it, there's no sense of urgency here, but at the same time, now that the off season has begun and yesterday's signaling of you know the the uh, franchise tagging time uh, has the Patriots thinking probably one way or another. Are we going to tag a guy like J.C. Jackson? Or are we not going to tag a guy like J.C. Jackson? And Eric and I just went back and forth a little bit over the the the, the benefits and the uh, and the uh, not so much benefit uh, of tagging a like a guy like jc number one what do you feel like is the benefit in your own estimation and number two do you think it's going to happen well i think the biggest benefit is just you keep one of your best defensive players who you probably won't be able to keep otherwise i mean who, who knows how jc's market is is all going to shake out here uh in the next couple of, of weeks and months but when you look at him just where he stands in kind of in relation to all of the other free agent cornerbacks, he's the best guy on that list, and as such, he is most likely going to make more money on the open market than the Patriots would be willing or able to pay him. So I just think if the Patriots don't franchise him, uh, unless something goes awry in his whole negotiations with other teams, I think the chances of him staying are pretty slim and you just you look at what the cornerback depth was for that team this season. It's really bleak behind him. You're basically looking at a almost a full scale rebuild at that position, which is dangerous given how kind of firmed up you are uh, at so many other spots. So uh, I still do think that the franchise tag is the most likely option for Jackson. Now whether they franchise him and he plays on the franchise tag, they franchise him and they eventually work out a long term deal. Or if they franchise and trade him, I'm not sure what path that's going to take. Uh, but I do think that he eventually will get the franchise tag uh, by that March 8th deadline. Right, and, and as we surmised here earlier, I, my thought is is that they probably wait until the last minute to do this, just because they'll try to exhaust other options. But when they do, when the decision is made, my personal thought is they'll tag him and try to trade him. That's my personal thought because they'll try to you know at least get more value from him uh, this way than letting him go and getting a compensatory pick. Yeah, that's definitely a uh, a situation that I could see happening. Because um, yeah, if if he walks, you potentially get the uh, uh, the compensatory pick down the line. Right. But uh, if you want a more of an immediate return and probably a greater return, uh, I, I do think that that tag and trade. Uh, definitely has merit there. You would still have to replace him in that scenario, but at least you get something back for him. Yeah, and and maybe you build through the draft or whatever, uh, or maybe that frees up enough, and maybe they just don't want to spend seventeen million dollars, you know, for a season of a cornerback, where you know after the next year he's going to be gone anyway. So there's a lot of different ways that you can look at this. I mean, to me. Uh, and I'm looking at this purely from a fan perspective. I'd like to see them try to build enough to where they can actually improve upon 10 and 7. And right now there's so much uncertainty, I'm not sure that that's possible. You know, could you see this team 
based on the track record now, could you see this team deciding to scuttle it all and, and not bring him back and just sort of try to rebuild from within? Because I find that really hard to believe. Yeah, I mean, just given Bill Belichick's history, especially at this cornerback position, they don't typically ton- shell out a ton of money to keep their internal guys. Uh, we have seen them go out and make big moves in free agency for external free agents, uh, most notably Stephon Gilmore, but mm-hmm. they didn't pay Malcolm Butler. They didn't pay Gilmore. Um, you saw Darrell Rivas leave. Uh, you saw Ty Law leave way back when, Asante Samuel. Uh, there's a long history of, of Bill Belichick not paying huge money to keep his own star cornerback. Right. So right. in that sense, you can definitely see a situation where J.C. Jackson isn't with the team next year. But I just think it's it's too too dicey of a situation, too dangerous of a situation to say, all right, we'll find somebody to replace him because there's really not a ton in the free agent cornerback market out there. Uh, there's some intriguing talent in the draft, but the Patriots really haven't drafted a anywhere close to a quality cornerback since probably Logan Ryan way back in 2013. They've, they've obviously had so many struggles over the years of hitting on those high picks that at defensive back and especially a cornerback. So with how well-positioned this team does seem to be at a lot of spots, I think it just creates way too big of a hole uh, to let a guy like that go. You know, uh, it's funny that you know you, you brought that up because, I, I first of all, I can think of a lot of moves that you know could have been made, would have been made, should have been made, and didn't get made, but the lo- most of it follows around, you know, they establish a value, a price tag, if you will, to a certain position, and they just don't go beyond that. And they've been successful largely with that formula, you know, through you know uh, Bill Belichick's you know tenure here, starting back in two thousand. And why would they stop now? But on top of that, knowing that the game and the financing uh, and the situations have changed, you know, really kind of radically over the last twenty years, what will it take to get them to adjust to what's going on? in today's game as opposed to what happened two decades ago. I don't know if there's any singular thing. And you can even ask another question on top of that. Does that mean the game has passed them by? I, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm not exactly even sure how to answer that one. I, well, I, I, I put you on the spot on that one, but I'm just, <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just sort of I'm, I'm sort of riffing off the well, top I, here. I, all of this stuff is just coming to mind. I'm like, you know, well, you could, make that, you could make that stretch. You could make that argument if this team goes that direction. And I'm like, you know... Uh, that's something to actually think about. I think, is it possible for the Patriots to let J.C. Jackson go and then find a replacement pretty quickly and plug him in? And I, I got one for you. Kind of continue along? I got one I for think you. that's certainly possible. We've seen that over the years, especially with all the undrafted success that the Patriots have had. And the fact that $17 million is a lot to pay for a cornerback for one season who, as productive as Jackson has been, he's not peak Stephon Gilmore. He's not a guy that you can say, all right, well, the opposing number one receiver is going to be wiped out basically no matter what every week. We haven't seen that from Jackson, especially against a guy like Stephon Diggs. You're going to be playing twice a year. So I can see why you wouldn't want to pay him that much, but it's just been so long since this team hasn't had a top-tier corner. It's basically you go back to, I think it's the start of the 2012 season. Uh, whatever year they ended up getting Aqib Tlaib, mid-season that was either 2012 mm-hmm. or 2013 mm-hmm. you go back ever since then it's been Talib, it's been Revis, it's been Butler it's been Gilmore and then it's been Jackson mm-hmm. you really haven't had a, a time where it's been kind of 
all right, we'll plug and play a few guys in here and, and see what works. Uh, they've really operated with a number one in there. Uh, so it would be a pretty significant shift uh, if they don't have one next season. All right, well, so what do you think of this? Um, let Jackson go. Resign Gilmore. <laughs> Honestly, I would love it from a uh, storyline perspective. I think that would be great. Uh, and I think Stephon Gilmore still is a quality cornerback. Uh, I think he's a guy that could come back and, and certainly help the Patriots. He, he, he could certainly be that he could be that stopgap guy for you uh, to where you might be able to draft somebody and develop a new number one. He definitely could. I mean, if, if that's a, a path that Stephon Gilmore would be open to, uh, I think that that's a pretty desirable outcome for the Patriots. Uh, but after listening to the comments that he had on his way out, here yeah i'm not sure if you'd be clamoring for a a reunion i know he was pretty <laughs> pretty disheartened with the way that the patriots handled his whole uh, especially his injury but also his contract situation and mm-hmm. really just kind of everything that came to a head and, and led to his trade mm-hmm. maybe, maybe some of those feelings have cooled over the last couple months and, and he'd be open to a, a return uh but yeah i think a lot would have to shift from uh from where he was back in november for that to be a possibility all right, so what are the positions? Zach Cox Nesson joins us here uh, inside the playbook. So what are the positions that, you know, other than corner, because corner has got to be up now just because of the whole franchise tag issue, uh, that you feel would have to be sort of in priority order for this team to consider for improvement for next year? Does it stay on the defensive side of the ball, you think? Uh, I really look at four of them, uh, two on offense, two on defense. Certainly cornerback is up there. Certainly linebacker is up there. Linebacker is Probably number one, mm-hmm. um, just with where the situation that they were in by the end of this season. Uh, and then I also look at wide receiver and I look at offensive tackle. Uh, I think wide receiver is probably the lowest priority, I guess, of those four, just because you had a pretty solid group this year. I don't think I think it's a group that needs to be improved. That they need to get some kind of upgrade in that number one spot. But if they do roll out that same crew from this year. It's not going to be a, a disaster. Um, and then offensive tackle, if they roll out the same duo in, in Wynn and Brown, I think that's pretty solid. But we don't know what's going to happen with Trent Brown because he's headed for free agency. Really not a ton of depth behind either of those players at that spot. And, and obviously Wynn uh, was not particularly consistent this year, uh, even though he did get better in the second half of the season. So those would be my, my big four for Patriots needs going into this offseason and then Obviously, that list will most likely change depending on how they handle uh, free agency and trades and whatnot. All right, so uh, while we have a couple of minutes here, Zach, I'm just kind of curious what you think about some of these guys that uh, uh, are free agents for this team and whether or not you feel like uh, they're worthy of coming back. So you want to uh, play a, a, a game of uh, would you or would you not? Does, <laughs> Let's that, do it. does that work? Yeah, right. let's do it. All right, so I, I'm going to start then, obviously, with the obvious one, uh, with um, uh, J.C. Jackson. Would you bring him back? I would. I would I would keep him. I would bring him back. Okay. Um, all right, here's an interesting one that I've given a lot of thought to in the last few days. Devin McCourty. I would bring him back. Uh, I think it's going to have to be at a, a number that's lower than what he played on last year and over the last couple of years, just with the salary cap situation the Patriots are in, but... Mm-hmm. He was still a very good player this season, still a real leader on the back end. Uh, I think bringing him back would be smart as long as the uh, the number isn't exorbitant. Okay, and I would agree with that. I think he's good for at least one more, and the leadership factor usually is off the charts for a guy like Devin. Um, Dante Hightower. 
This is probably a no for me. Um, I'm not really sure where he's at. Uh, I mean, we don't even know if he's he's planning on playing again in 2022. Mm-hmm. We haven't heard any kind of indication either way. He's only, I believe, 31 years old, but he plays the most one of the most physical positions in sports. He really seemed like he wore down by the end of this season. Uh, he was really impactful as a run defender earlier on in the year, especially during that win streak. But he just looked kind of sluggish near the end of the season. It seemed like the Bills especially were able to kind of exploit some of his uh, his athletic shortcomings at this point in his career. Uh, and you've even heard Gerard Mayo say it. He says the Patriots need to get faster at line, on defense. They need to get faster. Uh, or they need to get faster, more explosive, more playmakers. Uh, he didn't say linebacker specifically, but that's definitely a position that the Patriots need all three of those things at. And Dante Hightower doesn't really fit that profile uh, at this point in his career. So could certainly see him coming back, but I would probably say no on that one. Now here's another one that I think is probably obvious, but I think it just bears at least a little bit of thought here. Matthew Slater. I think if he wants to come back, then he should be back. Uh, I think it's it, he really doesn't make much money as a special teamer. It's not like you have to dedicate a ton of cap space to him. And I just think the leadership qualities with him are extremely important, especially with this kind of new new look Patriots team. Obviously, you're not going to see as many changes this year as you did last year. But I think having a, a couple of holdovers from that championship core is important, and, and especially a guy like Slater. And obviously he still plays at a very high level. He was a pro bowler for the 25th straight year or whatever it was this year. So uh, I think if he wants to come back, he'll be back. And I think Bill Belichick probably feels the same way. I'm agreeing with that. All right. couple here that, uh, frankly, uh, I think, you know, I know what my heart would say, but I think my head probably would go a different direction. First one is James White. Yeah, I think I don't know what the the injury situation looks like. That's right. the biggest thing. It's right. A guy who's coming back from hip surgery going to be on the wrong side of thirty. That situation could work out well for the Patriots if White completely heals from that injury and and they're confident in his abilities at this point uh, because they would certainly be able to get him for very cheap, uh, and he actually played very well before his injury last year. I thought he was probably the Patriots' most consistent offensive player through those first couple of weeks. Uh, so that could be a situation where you say, all right, we can get him at a bargain. We, we're confident in, in what he's going to be like physically, and even if it's he's not going to be kind of peak vintage James White, uh, you can still get some production out of him. I, uh, if Obviously, if the injury doesn't check out, then that's a no, but I like bringing him back and then potentially using maybe a late-round draft pick on a, uh, a kind of a, a James White successor. Yeah. All right, and another one, Brandon Bolden. I think Brandon Bolden is going to be in New England for as long as he wants to. Uh, Bill Belichick absolutely loves Bolden. Uh, he's talked many times about how he regretted letting him leave uh, for Miami back a couple of years ago. So uh, I think – as long as he wants to play for the Patriots, he will be playing for the Patriots. It would probably be best off if he's back in that uh, special teams-focused role, even though he did do a, a very good job filling in for James White this year. But if you, you get a, someone a little bit more high upside in that third down back role, uh, I definitely think Brandon Bolden still has value. Okay. Uh, and then here's one that I thought proved to be extraordinarily valuable, especially after they began mixing things and matching things. And then when he entered the lineup, things seemed to solidify. Ted Karras on the offensive line. Yep. I think it would be smart to bring him back. Uh, gives you some more flexibility. 
potentially could even lead to a, uh, I know a lot of people have talked about a surprise Shaq Mason trade or, or release this offseason just for cap purposes. Bringing back Ted Karras would allow you to potentially do that. I think it would be smart to bring him back. I agree that he was a really important player on that offensive line this year. But from his perspective, I think he's going to want some assurances that he's not going to resign and then immediately become the backup to Michael Wenu again. Right. Because uh, that's what he was when he resigned last year, thinking mm-hmm. that he was going to be the starting center. Right. And then David Andrews ended up coming back. He starts the season as a backup. So since he's been basically a full-time starter for the last three seasons, uh, I think he would want to go somewhere where he knows he's going to start. If that is in New England, uh, I think he would be, it would be smart to bring him back. But if it's a situation where the Patriots plan on keeping Mason and they want to move Owenu back to guard, that might not be a situation that uh, Karras would be interested in. So that, that's going to be a, an interesting kind of under-the-radar one to watch uh, sure. as free agency comes up. I agree with you. And then the last one here, money's probably kind of high. Uh, he spent some time, in fact, a lot of time, injured this last year. But when he was in there, it certainly seemed to be different for this team. And I mean that in a positive sense. Trent Brown. I think bringing back Trent Brown would be a good move for the Patriots. And I don't know this with any certainty, but just saying, listening to him talk about how how much he likes playing in New England and how how much of a better fit he feels like it is here than when he was in Las Vegas with the Raiders, which he really did not like his time there. I'm curious if he would be open to accepting a, a hometown discount of sorts of, of returning for a, a maybe less than he'd be able to get somewhere on the open market. Uh, he did have a very good season after he came back from that calf injury, so there's probably a team that's out there that would be willing to pay him more than the Patriots would this off season, I imagine. Uh, but I'm going to be interested to see whether he wants to go where the money is highest or whether he says, I'm a really good fit in New England. I want to be back here, even if it's for a little bit less. If that's the case, I think bringing him back would definitely be a good call. You know, you mentioned the Raiders, and I'm just curious your thoughts on the the brain drain that the Patriots have had thus far in the offseason, especially with Josh McDaniels you know, moving on to the Raiders as well, and whether or not you feel like, is this really an opportunity, or are the Patriots, should they be looking for something in the way of experience to be, kind of fill in the gap here? I think they should be. Uh, it's from all the reports that have been out in the last week or so, it doesn't sound like they're going to be. Uh, I I think someone like Bill O'Brien would make a ton of sense for this group because if you just look at how it's constructed right now, you don't have anybody on staff that's ever called plays at the NFL level except for Joe Judge for a week or two, maybe <laughs> kind of had some input there with, with the Giants, but nothing on a full-time basis. And you don't have a coach who's ever coached quarterbacks at the NFL level. So right. those are two gigantically important aspects, especially when you have a young quarterback in Mac Jones going to be going into his second season. This is really a, a pivotal offseason for a guy like that to kind of take the next step or have his trajectory sort of derailed. I, I think the Patriots really need to do all they can to support Jones and, and put the best possible supporting cast, both players and coaches around him, and I think it's a very large gamble to be doing that with a bunch of coaches who, even though it's it's going to be a lot of guys in there that have a lot of NFL experience, have some head coaching experience, they don't have a lot of play calling experience, and they don't have a lot of quarterback coaching experience. So I think this is probably the single biggest question about the Patriots going into this season. Just one, what is this offensive staff going to look like? 
and are those guys going to be able to to be the the play callers and the coaches that Jones and this team need to kind of take that next step and at the moment, I really have no idea what the answer to that question is. Nobody does. I think that's the intrigue of it all right now. Zach, do you get an off season? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Definitely a little slower now than it was uh, a couple weeks ago. But basically, train keeps rolling until uh, mid June. Then, uh, then it's full on off season. So right. we're uh, we're full speed ahead over at uh, Nesson dot com here. Right. Gotcha. And I appreciate you spending a little time with us today. Thank you very much for the insight. Absolutely. Thanks, John. You got it. Zach Cox. Zach Cox from Nesson.com. You can see him on Twitter, at Zach Cox, Z-A-C-K-C-O-X, Nesson, at Zach Cox Nesson is where you find him on Twitter. And I know a lot of you already follow him, and he's got some good information, and I'm really happy to have him share some of it with you. And look, the, the idea behind it here is just to sort of get the brain flowing here. This is what we got coming up. This is what needs to be considered. You know, the, the whole focus right now seems to be on bringing back J.C. Jackson or not bringing him back. But there are other unrestricted and even restricted free agents that are out there that you've got to consider uh, potentially, you know, uh, maybe even taking a pass on. I mean, you know, restricted free agents. Um, you know, Jakob Johnson, he was pretty good toward the end of the year, right? Uh, who else was restricted? Uh, Jacoby Myers, Gunnar Olszewski, all these guys guaranteed to come back. I mean, it's worth the thought anyway because there's a lot of decision now that's going to be made uh, between now and even the draft at the end of April. And goodness, we're still two months away from the NFL draft here. So there's a ton of... I don't know, uh, fundamental decision-making that needs to be made between now and the end of April uh, before you really get a clearer picture of where this this franchise is going to head, at least for the immediate future. 855-PATS-500. Todd in North Carolina. Todd, how are you, my friend? So I'm going to play your game. Okay. I'm going to start with Devin Godshaw. No, thank you. Okay. You don't want I'm him back. Up with no, I don't think he's worth the money. I don't think I think he got pushed around. I think he was crap. Okay. Uh, J.C. Jackson is great as long as he's not covering anybody who is like a second level or you know their first receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, if he's covering the draws, he gets those interceptions. If he's got a quarterback that's a little bit goofy, they get their he'll get his interceptions. He's really good at it. But when he plays somebody good, he looks bad. And he, even if he calls them out. You watch the game, and yeah, you called them out, and they uh, they went right at you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's the thing. Uh, I think Paul Perillo made the point that our defense the past three years has been middling to average, and the only time that we look good and we get these great numbers is when we play crappy teams. And because we've had easier schedules, <laughs> yeah. that's why we are where we are. And I actually agree with him. I don't I, think, you know, I, you, mentioned, you mentioned Godshaw. Doesn't he have another year on his deal? No, I think this is. Uh, yeah, he does, but he's ten million or something. He's he's a big number. Well, I understand he's a big number, but I mean he's going to be back this next year, I think, regardless. So I'm not so sure. Unless you're going to cut bait with the guy, I don't know that you want to cut bait with that. Unless you know you're getting something in return. You know what I'm saying? But if you keep him, you can have diminishing returns to the point where you're throwing, you know, good money. Well, bad. You're throwing money. I, yeah. Okay. Good that money after bad. Or something. Yeah. That point I understand, but I'm just saying. Well, then if if you cut if you cut bait and let him go here, then you got another hole that you got to fill, and this team has other holes that it needs to address. I don't think oh, defensive tackle is one that right now – I mean, would, do I think they'd love to have another penetrating defensive tackle? Yes, I do. So and, and I don't know that Godshaw – I don't know if he's – yeah, I don't know if he's that guy, but I would tell you that, uh, you know, uh, the devil I have is the better that I don't, you know? 
Well, I, I, yeah, I, I respectfully disagree with you. Okay, fair enough. I, I think he's just taking up a spot and, and getting good money for that spot. Well, you know what? Um, we'll find out. We'll find that out for sure at the end of this next year, won't we? Oh, yeah. I would like White back just for his leadership on offense and our, the third down. I don't. I think age for his particular role in the running back is that third down back. Mm-hmm. Age will not be a problem because the, what he does, he's mainly like the quick pass. The, you know, he, he's not getting beat up because he's not out there. I would like him back. Well, my biggest issue with James White is is that how much of that hip injury hurt his, you know, his side to side, his lateral movement, his you know, his foot speed, you know, uh, his missability, that kind of thing. That's important, you know, for a third down back. And you know, I agree. So I mean, we really won't know the answer to that until he's able to come back out of the field and see what he can do. Right. Okay. Well, then, then I'm hopeful. I'll rephrase it. I'm very hopeful he could be back. Right. That's probably. I'll put it that way. Yeah. That's yeah. probably. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. And, I, and I'm hopeful just like everybody else because what we saw out of James White, I mean, it was an invaluable trait. And I, and I feel like even this last year, had he been able to be healthy, and this is with all due respect to the guys that came in and, and, and filled his spot, and, and several mm-hmm. guys did, including Brandon Bolden. But if you have James White, he's just a different character, and it increases the depth all the way around. Personally, I think yeah. you know it was worth another win or two. Quite possibly. And I think that he's a good leader, and he really had a connection with Mac. Yeah, you know, if you think back to those first games when he was playing, he yeah. and Mac could connect. It was almost like he it was Mac had his safety blanket there. Yeah, and that's yeah. what they say a young quarterback needs. Yeah, that's, that's right. why I was. That's why I was a little bit. I'm, I'm more than hopeful he'll be back. I'm really wanting him back. Um, I'm taking taking a look at you know just the team in general, mm-hmm. and I think I think we're going to take a step back. Okay. Uh, I think we're going to need to keep Slater and we're going to need to keep McCordy because we just, like you said, there's too many holes. If you lose those guys, yeah, boy, you're in trouble. Yeah, I think our defense is old. Is still pretty old. Is that your long. phone ringing in the background? Do you have to get that? Oh no, oh. it could be. It could be just a weird echo because I unplugged you from from the head. Oh, okay. I didn't want oh, it, it just sounds like the phone's ringing in the background. I'm like, damn, Todd, you should get that. No, I don't have any friends. John, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got me. You've got your kids. What else do you John, need? I would love to sit down. I'd love to sit down and just talk sports with you over a beer. I actually went to my first college basketball game. Hey, the ECU Pirates played good, the SMU. Good for you. Uh, How was the game? Oh, it was enjoyable, but oh my god, I'm old, John. I'm looking at <laughs> going. Why are they shooting all these threes? Nobody, nobody's. Trying to drive inside, nobody's doing all this stuff. In the 80s, when I grew up with watching, I know, you know, NCAA. This is just everybody. SMU killed the Pirates with just speed mm-hmm. and three point shooting. Mm-hmm. That's all they did: speed, three point shooting, speed. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, oh. But anyway, let's go back to football. Gotcha. I loved it. By the way, I loved it. Good. I would love to go to a game with you and listen to you commentating. I think that would be great. Well, you, you can, you can believe it or not. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not doing this for self promotional purposes, but there, you can listen to my games online. It's easy to do. So. Oh, cool. It's uh, the website. Of the, the radio station website is ninety nine seven wpro dot com. Ninety nine seven. Okay. So, oh, cool. So back to. Back to football. Yeah. I, I've got a hankering on defense. I'm going to give you just because I'm going to let somebody else call in. Hopefully Eldred because he can he can clarify the <laughs> whole uh, secondary thing because he'll tell you whether J.C. Jackson is good or if he's what I think he is, where he's just opportunistic. Okay. 
Well, I, I have a tendency to believe that uh, that he is definitely opportunistic. I, I question highly whether or not J.C. Jackson is good, but because his opportunism has been so uncanny, I, I want to see a little more. So that's why I'd be inclined to bring him back another year. Yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit with you. I just the price tag scares me. Yeah, it does. It does, but again, it's not my money. So you know, if they can work it into their scheme and not ruin the other things they want to do, I'd like to see it. Yeah, I agree. What I want is on the. I want the lines to be better. I want the O line to be better. So I want to bring the people back. I want Trent Brown back. I want Karras back. Okay. I want to keep ONU as the you know the kind of the he can do anything guy because mm-hmm. he seemed to do well in that role. Mm-hmm. I want that. And on D line, I I want us to have a defensive tackle that just eats space. Like, and there, like I said earlier, there's a guy from Georgia that's just a monster and a guy from UConn that they just they push the pocket in and they're solid. You, it, you, you watch the games and it takes two guys, like a la Vince Wolfork. It takes two guys because if you don't put two guys on them, whoever is on him is going backwards. Okay, They're on lower skates. They're going backwards. Mm-hmm. And I think that that kind of pocket disruption, that kind of solidification of the center makes the whole defense better and the same on the opposite side when you've got an o-line that's just solid and everybody's there i know trent was hurt trent brown and that was kind of really took us out of our offensive comfort zone yep. when you've got those things going i think everything plays better okay. everything yeah. because you're just there's that that solidity they know because you watch some of those games towards the end of the year, and the linebackers especially. I don't know if they were gassed. Like you said, the Hightower looked old and slow. He did. You know, I mean, you can only go, go with what the eye test tells you. Yeah, and even Van Noy didn't look all that. like. And Collins was kind of just disappeared, mm-hmm. made one beautiful interception, and that was it. Yep. So, you know, we're going to have to replace that. And to replace that and to keep building, I think we just the line. You start with the lines. I think that's isn't that kind of what how Dallas did things, and even you take a look at the Steelers. Da- Dallas is Dallas is yeah. Dallas has always traditionally started you know inside and, and trying to move out. Uh, the biggest problem yeah. is is that you know uh, <laughs> the guy that should be moving out is the guy that's at the head of the pack. You know he keeps yeah, getting in the way and screwing things up. <laughs> Yes, I know. We could talk about Jones for. Thank God we're not uh, Dallas fans, because oh my lord! Oh my lord! Well, listen, my I, grew, I grew up a Cowboy fan, so I mean, I, I and I actually I was a Cowboy fan when things were good, when they really were America's team. Now they're well, you know they're, they're America's flop more than anything else. Dad cheered for the Bears and for the Cowboys for his you know forever. Seventy mm-hmm. six this year, mm-hmm. and yeah, he he just he's. He's quietly stopped cheering for. He doesn't even bring oh, yeah. up the Cowboys anymore. He goes, I know. They just they're not dependent. He goes, they're like my Maple Leafs now. Not worth. Yeah, they got the talent. Yeah, but they can't take the next step. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, but that's what I want, John. Okay. I really want to see us to just. I, I think we're going to be in a rebuilding year. I think everybody needs to settle down. We're going to take a step back. So you are kind of like Eric in that regard. You you really think that this team may need to break itself down a little bit. That ten and seven this last year uh, may not have been actually the the right direction for this team to travel. I, I agree with Eric, and I, I know that Eric and I usually don't agree, and we usually butt heads a lot. <laughs> but okay. I totally agree with him. I, it, I, it doesn't mean I don't respect his football knowledge because he's been around a long time, and he. He has a really good uh, perception of what is going on. And sure. You can see the trends. Well, that's that's because, you know, when you're around the team every day, then you certainly have an idea behind it. But, you know, the one thing I've always yeah. admired about Eric is the fact that he's not afraid to take a stand. And, you know, and yeah. he did. 
He yeah. did, you know, and and you know he he didn't he didn't hit on the one loss record. It, it was the team actually ended up way better this past year than he originally thought. But at the end of the year, there were some issues that he had been talking about that are an issue now, and part of the fundamental decision of you know bringing guys back or moving on and breaking it down and and you know and, and finding out if there's enough of a base there to build upon or do we have to tear the whole thing down again? You know, yeah. that that's really kind of where we are. Yeah, I agree entirely. But like I said, I'm hoping that Eldred calls in because he can. He's really good. He he can. He knows what he wants for receivers, and he knows what he wants. For, All right, for Eldred. TV, so. Eldred, if you're listening, there's your there's your call. There's your request. All right, Todd has requested your presence. Thanks, Todd. Good to talk to you, buddy. Yep, you got it. All right, let's move on now to uh, our friend Chris Price from the Boston Globe, longtime uh, reporter, coverer, uh, columnist, uh, observer, uh, bon vivant of the New England Patriots. How do you like that one, Chris? Is that good? Author? I like it. Let's throw, let's throw author in there as well. We got any books in the works? Yeah, we got one coming out in October. It is uh, the history of the Hartford Whaler. Uh, oh my God, that's right. I remember. I remember you 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 uh, sent something out on social media about that a lot long ago, right? Yeah yeah, 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 it's exciting. I mean, it, it's a little rare. It's a little different for me, you know, writing a hockey book. But being a Connecticut kid who grew up, you know, for the green and white, mm-hmm. singing, you know, humming brass bonanza, it's been mm-hmm. a lot of fun. I know. I know. And there's so many people that are tied into New England, uh, honestly, that if if the Whalers came back, with the amount of people who are interested in the Whalers coming back or the Whalers nostalgia out there, if they had just shown themselves, I don't know, what was it now, 20, 25 years ago, the Whalers would still be here. Exactly. Exactly. There, there's, it was funny. I, I, I talked to um, a couple of people who said, you know, Hartford was like Green Bay. But then one player said, you know, if Hartford really was like the Green Bay of hockey, you know, the Whalers would still be there, quite honestly. Very so, true. You know, it is what it is. Well, good, good. That's that's awesome. Good luck with the uh, the continuing Thanks. production on the book. Uh, I'll be uh, happy to to see it and, and uh, get a quick look at it and read through it and give me some good uh, reading material for next fall and uh, and next winter time when we travel here. Um, Chris, I, I kind of you know we've been dealing for the first hour of the program here, largely looking at the personnel uh, part of the Patriots in the offseason and you know free agents, J.C. Jackson. Uh, you know, would you keep this guy? Would you let this guy go? That kind of thing. With you, I was hoping just because you know you do go back a number of years with this team if you can help us try to put some perspective on the changeover in the hierarchy from within not just within the coaching staff but you know Matt Grow taking over as the you know player personnel director you know and then we've had a lot of changeover in that position over the last couple of years now with the Patriots you know it seems like Dave Ziegler just got here and now he's off he's running and doing his own thing in in Vegas with Josh McDaniels and and I wanted to start really with that Josh McDaniels fact is is that you know he left here once he went off and tried you know his first uh, you know attempt at head coach it did not go well except for what the first six games of his career in Denver came back found his binky again for lack of a better phrase and 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 he's you know tutored uh, Mac Jones uh, for all intents and purposes it looks like he did a really good job and now the Raiders take a shot at him and, and give him another opportunity even though he probably uh, you know uh, he could have taken that opportunity with the Colts and decided to jilt them at the altar. So I wonder how you view that whole um, scenario with Josh and whether or not the Patriots need someone to come in and be the de facto OC, just like last year they didn't have the de facto DC. And, and why do you think the Patriots operate that way? I think it's very important for a young quarterback like Mac Jones to have some continuity when it comes to whoever is whispering in his ear, mm-hmm. whether it's Josh McDaniels, whether it's Bill Belichick, whoever the case may be. And, and I, I wonder if we are building towards something where eventually 
someone gets the job. You know, uh, it, I, I think it's all positive, I think, in, in, in that aspect. I will say this. We have not seen this level of change from the New England Patriots coaching staff really for, you know, for the better part of a decade. You know, right. I, I can't remember. I think the last time that I can recall where this, there was this much dramatic change um, came after the 2004 Super Bowl, where they lost Romeo Cornell, they lost Charlie Weiss. Uh, and really, the coaching staff kind of flipped. You know, kind of flipped a little bit. You know, of course, a couple of years after that, they, you know, uh, Scott Pioli moved on, and, and, mm-hmm. and so we haven't seen this level of change from this franchise in an awful long time. And it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see how they come out of it. The the one conspiracy theory I have when it comes to Josh McDaniels and the Raiders is that somewhere along the way, Bill let Josh know exactly how long he was going to coach. And Josh said, okay, well, if you're going to be here for another four years, five years, six years, ten years, whatever the case may be, I think I'm going to move on. And so I I, I think that's the only real conspiracy theory that I can think of when you ask, why did Josh McDaniels take the Raiders job as opposed to not taking the Colts job? Yeah, Yeah, or or the the Colts job. Exactly. Right. That makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, you know, that's kind of why I like you, Chris, because I think we actually think a lot alike. <laughs> it's good to have some validation of our beliefs here, right? But I would tell you that, to me, that's what I've always thought, that, you know, I think they sort of cajoled him to stick around because we're not sure how much Bill's going to stick around. And so he decided to leave the Colts at the altar. And then now he's back here and then he has a chance to, you know, be a part of that whole, all right, what's next after Tom Brady thing. And you go and you draft the quarterback and you get him, hopefully you think on some sound footing. And there had to have been a conversation there like, well, you know what? I think I'm going to go another three or four or five years. And then he had to say, yeah, he had to say, I think I got to go and do my own thing now. Yeah, exactly. And I think Josh said, you know what, if you're going to be here for another, let's say, five years, Mm -hmm. I want to get my head coaching career started. I'm going to go to a place where I think I'm going to, you know, have some level of success. I'm going to be set up for success because honestly, this is everything for Josh Daniels when it comes to his head coaching future. Right. You're not going to get too many more bites of the apple here. Um, The other thing, too, and this leads me to my larger, grander conspiracy theory, something I put on social media. I believe that Bill Belichick is going to coach long enough to try to break Don Shula's all-time wins record. I am 100% behind you, and I've I've said that for the last two or three years on this program. I, I I think that you know originally, and we know the story. But for the uninitiated, he said that you know he didn't want to stay stick around as long as a guy like Marv Levy did. He didn't want to coach well into his seventies. Well, here he is, almost seventy, sixty nine. I guess he is right. And um, I, I I think he can taste it. I think he can see it, feel it, smell it. I think he felt somewhat disrespected by Don Shula before he passed. And I think mm-hmm. he would very much like to leave as the winningest coach of all time. And I think that is his incentive right now. Yeah, yeah, we're we're looking at a scenario right now where he's twenty something wins away. Yep, and so that's probably let's say another three three years. years. You know, I, I'm being conservative in my estimate here. Another three years. Uh, so you know, it, it is. It, it's a very feasible. Say, a couple of years ago, people kind of scoffed at that and said, "Oh, well, you know, she was way out of you know." And what happens when Brady leaves and they're not going to be as competitive and yep. you know, wins are going to be hard to come by? I think that is the goal for him right now. Obviously, the goal week to week, month to month year-to-year is to continue to win football games and be successful, but I think if we're talking about a larger, more overreaching goal, that is it, to be able to break Shula's record. Mm -hmm. And so, with that in mind, Josh McDaniels is like, well, if you're going to be here for another two or three years, i got to get my career started because if I don't start now, I may never get a chance to start again. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, and, and look, honestly, you know, you're you're going to a team in the Raiders. And look, it's it's fun to make fun of the Raiders. So, you know, I'll, I'll put it that. But but at the same time, Raiders are flagship franchise. It's a playoff team. They made the playoffs. Exactly, and so you're you're walking in. If you're Josh McDaniels, you're walking into a pretty good situation. You're walking into a situation where you, like you said, you're taking over a playoff team. You have some pieces in place. You are going to the AFC West, where you're going to be able to be competitive. Obviously, you're going to have can't deal with Kansas City twice a year, but you know you're you're you, you should be. I don't want to say set up for success, but I, I you're you're walking into a situation where where you could do some good, and you could you know you're certainly capable of taking that team to the next level. Could you see? I mean, in that in that division alone, I mean, because right now you know you, you you got you know Mahomes, you obviously have um, oh God. Um, yeah. Herbert. Thank you. Yeah, just Herbert from the the Chargers. I wanted to say San Diego. That's just me. Uh, but but what if what if we get that scenario that that it still gets to you know rumored from time to time that a guy like uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers goes to Denver? Can you imagine yeah. what that division is like quarterback wise? And you and you've got Derek Carr if you're Josh McDaniels. You know, can you yeah. build him? Can you build him up enough or keep this team competitive when you clearly have three superstars at quarterback on the division opponents? That's going to be the biggest challenge for him again. If 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 Aaron Rodgers is is you know it does end up in Denver, it is. It's going to be a huge challenge for him. But it, it is. It's going to be fascinating to see how Josh does this because again, this is a situation. With McDaniel's, where he's not going to get, I don't think he's going to get another shot at here. Yeah. So he has to make yeah. sure that everything is perfect. He has to make sure that all the T's are crossed and all the guys are dotted if he's going to be able to continue to yep. become, continue to be a head coach in the National Football League. So, uh, Chris Price again with Boston Globe here with us uh, inside the playbook. So, I, I'm wondering, Chris, now with Josh gone, do the Patriots need a de facto OC? And is Bill O'Brien really the guy? Is we mentioned this a little bit earlier, but has anybody stopped and asked Bill whether or not he even be interested in coming back to New England? <laughs> Does he need to come back to New England after you know being a head coach in the NFL and being a head coach in the college ranks and now having a sort of a sit and and peer out at the uh, uh, landscape job with the Alabama Crimson Tide? I mean, does he need us? Yeah, that's a great question. It, it really is. And the way that they cycle through offensive coordinators in Alabama, it might just be a matter of waiting them out. I'll mm-hmm. say that. But look, you you just need someone there who's going to be there consistently for Mac. I think that's the biggest question. You don't necessarily need someone who has the title of offensive coordinator. You know, if you're going to give it to, I don't know, Joe Judge or you know Matt Patricia or whoever else, you you don't necessarily need to have it. You just need to have a guy who is there who is going to be able to be Max Guy, who's going to be in his corner, who's going to be, you know, a sounding board for him moving forward. So I I, I, I kind of guard against the idea of, well, you know, you need a big name, you need Bill O'Brien, you need someone. It, it's just you just need someone who's going to be there for him on a consistent basis, who's going to be an advocate for him, who's going to be able to work with him, whether or not it's, it's O'Brien or Joe Judge, whatever, whoever the case may be. Right. Your thoughts then uh, on, uh, you know, Matt Patricia and or Joe Judge, uh, potentially, uh, if you believe any of the reports this week, uh, covering other areas of the team than what they have previously done. Is that a logical conclusion or is that just an effort potentially to help improve their own, shall we say, resume for future jobs on down the line? I think it's probably a little bit more about the resume, at least at this point. I will say this, too. You know, and Bill likes these guys who he doesn't have to pay. And Judge is still surviving on his, you know, his Giants contract. That's so, true. You know, you bring him in here. He has the, the organizational shorthand. 
he can do you know the job that he may be assigned to do here on the offensive side of the ball. He can also chip in you know, on special teams. So you know you know as well as I do the phrase around Foxborough: the more you can do, the more you can do for us. Yeah. So you know he's he's a guy who, despite his failures in New York, I think it's it's good to have him in the building, especially you know in the wake of what happened with special teams last year. So I think if if you're looking you know you're looking at a guy like Joe Judge who can do a couple of different things, who can you know who has the background of Belichick, who has the background of some of these players. I think it's a, I think it's a good thing. I, I think in the long run we're going to see how much he can contribute. But uh, you know I think in the short term I think it's good to have a familiar face back in the building. Okay, Chris. So um, you know we, we've got so much to do uh, and a long time before we need to get there. And I know this is all about being a marathon right now, and there's nothing uh, there's not a sprint involved here. But if you had to make a move right now for this team to try to better them for next year, what would be the first thing that would come to mind? I think the overriding philosophy is they have to get younger and faster on defense. The National Football League has evolved to a point where guys like Dante Hightower, and look, I love Dante Hightower. I'm a Dante Hightower apologist. But guys like Dante Hightower, guys like Juwan Bentley, you know, those players are not what you're looking for anymore in terms of a prototypical linebacker. You need to get younger. You need to get faster. You need to get more aggressive on the defensive side of the ball. This defense looked, looked slow and old down the stretch. And, and I think that, you know, some of the, some of the issues were camouflaged or papered over, you know, with that seven game winning streak where they were able to get, you know, some things done on the offensive side of the ball. They were able to surprise some people and they were able to play opportunistic defense, but at the same time, I just think their primary focus this offseason on, on defense, you know, I'll give you one on offense and one on defense. They mm-hmm. have to get younger and faster on the defensive side of the ball. And then they have to find a number one for Mac Jones. And they don't, it's, I'm not necessarily talking about a Jamar Chase, you know, six foot five, 250 pounds, you know, all world wide receiver type, but they need to find a number one target for Mac Jones to be able to grow with him, to be able to to evolve with him, to be able to give him a safety net. You know, I, I do think that on offense they are going to be better off than, than a lot of people believe. Look, you know, you can squeeze another year out of James White. I still can't believe they did what they did on offense without James White for most of the season last year. Mm-hmm. They didn't they did what they did without Johnu Smith, you know, on, on offense for most of the year last year. So if you can put together an offense that starts with, you know, Kendrick Bourne, that running game, you know, you get James White back, you get Hunter Henry, uh, you know, you have Jacoby Myers, that's a great starting point. And I think you kind of go from there. But you need to get a guy who is head and shoulders above the field when it comes to working as a pass catcher for Mac Jones. Good stuff. Chris, thank you for some time today, my friend. I really appreciate it. And good luck with the book on the Whalers. And you be sure that, uh, you know, get all that stuff out on social media so we can follow and, and grab our copies when it's available. Will do. Thank you, my friend, and we'll talk soon. Awesome. Thank you very much. Chris Price, Boston Globe, joining us here on the program, uh, at Chris Price Globe. Is that what his, his email is? Uh, hold on. I'm going to double-check that because I think it's, I think he changed it. Hold on. What is it? It is, uh, his handle is at C Price Globe. I knew that. I knew that. At C Price, P-R-I-C-E, Globe. That's where you find him on Twitter. All right. I, I got one quick email that I want to change. I want to set here. Actually, I got this on Twitter. Uh, Ian from the UK sent me this note. He says, I do not think we should resign JC. Yes, he has had 24, 25 interceptions over the last three or four years. If he was elite, he would not have those interceptions because opposing quarterbacks wouldn't throw the ball his way. Interesting point, because we kind of tend to forget that. 
he wouldn't be targeted near as much as he is or was, right? He says, and so many of his interceptions have been balls that have just fallen to him. So let him walk is what Ian says. I don't know that I'd let him walk, but I think I'd certainly try to get something for him. A real woman could stop you from drinking. It has to be a real big woman. It's time to go around the NFL with football guru Russell Baxter. Now on, your name is Flounder. On Patriots Playbook. Flounder. The one and only pro football guru himself, Russell Baxter. How are you, my friend? Well, I'm doing well. I'm enjoying the 60-degree weather in uh, Connecticut today. Right. Knowing that in two days, uh, I will be outside with an ice pick. Really? Oh, that's yeah. well, yeah, because because we're, we're going to get another six to nine inches of snow around here in another 48 yeah. hours. Yeah, it's supposed to be rainy and uh, icy and snowy on Friday. Right. So um, I'm outside doing the show, sunbathing. <laughs> um, you know, in my in my, uh, in my three speedos, and, uh, great. That's a view. <laughs> no, that's that's not a sight. So, uh, how are you? That, you know what? Uh, busier in the beehive. That's for sure. But that's 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 the that's the time of the year that in, in which we uh, in which we coexist. What were your uh, What were your thoughts overall on the on the Super Bowl? I mean, I obviously thought that the game was extraordinarily competitive. Uh, I was a little disappointed that the officials decided to get more involved later in the game than they were early in the game. They kind of let them play, and then all of a sudden, oh hey, guess what? We got to get on TV, guys. We got to justify our existence. And it seemed like in a few of the calls down the stretch that that was partially the case. But I mean, some of that we live with and. I just don't know if the situation ever improves. Uh, I'm a little also disappointed that the Bengals didn't win, but I think, you know, overall, from top to bottom, the Rams were probably the better team. They probably proved that. But why do we get the feeling that, you know, the Rams were only the second or even third best team in the NFL this year after all said and done? Well, we had a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, I wrote a piece about mirror images, and it's more. it was more of a fun piece, John. Mm-hmm about the coincidences between the Bengals and the Rams. Uh, they both had a quarterback who was picked first overall in their draft. They both had a quarterback that wore number nine. Mm-hmm. They were both number four seeds in their conferences. Okay. So you're, you're talking about maybe the second or third or fourth best team in the league. I don't think that's far at all. My favorite coincidence was both the Bengals and the Rams scored exactly 460 points this year. Really? So, yeah. I didn't real. I guess I didn't notice that. Just kind of funny. What I found interesting about the game was I was listening to the analysis and so on, and the, you know, it seemed like the Chris Collinsworth or Al Michaels or whatever. I'm not blaming them or anything like that. They were they seemed so surprised that the Bengals were able to stop the Rams for running. Well, the Rams' running game wasn't much this year, mm-hmm. and. The Rams, more coincidence, semi-coincidence, the Rams were sixth in run defense. The Bengals were fifth. Okay? They mm-hmm. did a lot on their defensive line the last two years, so I wasn't surprised they shut down the run. As far as the, the, the late officiating, at least in my opinion, I thought the Bengals got a little tired. And, um, you know, that you know that old Vince Lombardi clip, everyone grabbing out there, grab, grab, grab. They seemed like they were doing a lot of grabbing as time wore on and so on. That last drive was 15 plays and 79 yards, and 15 plays with also 
mean a couple extra plays on it because of the penalties and so on. But when it was all said and done, it was a. I found the ironic twist that the guy who caught all those passes this year for all those yards and all those touchdowns, the biggest play of the game was the seven yard run on fourth and one. Yeah. Yeah, right. And it was by him. And 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 I but and he should have been the MVP. My I was funny, I picked the Rams by three and I thought Von Miller would be the MVP. And he had pretty you know, it was funny because he had two sacks, Donald had two sacks. Um, you had a lot of candidates there. I, I liked Aaron Donald. I, I thought I thought Donald was a, was a, still a game changer. I mean, I understand why they go with the quarterback and what have you, but I, to me, the Rams don't have Aaron Donald. I don't think they win that game. Oh, I agree. I agree because the one thing that made Cincinnati. I mean, Joe Burrow was fantastic. Jamar Chase fantastic. What made Cincinnati a better football team this year was the play of their defensive front. Okay, they went out and signed Trey Hendrickson from the Saints. They gave him big money. Two years ago, they signed DJ Reader, um, who is a run-stopping defensive tackle from the Houston Texans. Now he, they were 29th against the run last year, John, but Reader only played five games. He was hurt. Mm-hmm. So you got Hubbard and you got Hendrickson. When they played, went up against teams, they had this superior defensive line. Right. Um, maybe not quite as good as the Rams because they have Aaron Donald and so on. But front, Logan Wilson, very, you know, I know he got called for the pass interference and so on. He had a big year for them. The Bengals front seven and the Bengals defense in general had, you know, they, they had a much improved year. And you know as well as I do, you've got to have both sides of the ball. You're, no quarterback is carrying you all the way to the Super Bowl and so on. The Bengals won their share of nail biters. Give them credit; they beat the Chiefs twice. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that, that's pretty significant. You beat them once at home and once on the road. Right. And I, I think they just kind of ran out of steam, and they had no one. There was no. I mean, it could have been thirteen people on the field. They couldn't block Aaron Donald. Right. Very true. They didn't do really a great job of it anyway. But I mean, that's that's what the Rams did. The Rams went out and they they you know they they found guys that could complement him defensively, and certainly went out and changed things up on the on the offense. And they really didn't need much of the running game, even though I know that they would like to have had more. But they did what they had to do to win, and they got a win. Do you find that 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 might end up being more of the way? of teams and what they look at for their future possibilities than building and taking several years time over? Or did the Rams really do that and we just didn't notice it? Well, they did do it over several years. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sean McVay's been the coach there five years. He's yeah. had five straight winning seasons. He's been in the playoffs four times, and he's been in the Super Bowl twice. So they weren't, necessarily, they weren't really a flash in the pan. They just were able to plug some holes. Um, down the stretch, uh, you know, to get Von Miller in a trade, which was totally unexpected. Um, they wound up getting Odell Beckham Jr., who was cast off by the Browns and so on, and they wound up needing him because Robert Woods went down. So they were, you know, they proved to be pretty resilient. And it was funny, you know, midway through the season, a lot of us, many people, were thinking, well, the Arizona Cardinals are going to win the NFC West. They're seven and zero, and already beat the Rams and so on. And, but you played it out and. Listen, after the first round of the playoffs, in which we certainly had our share of blowouts, this is this to me is mind-boggling. Um, the last seven playoff games that we saw, John, six were decided by three points, and one was decided by six points in overtime. Mm. 
Okay. Well, I mean, that, I, listen. I, you, you, listen. If you're the NFL, you, you're happy as a pig in slop on that one mm-hmm. because you oh. had the com- competitiveness that you desire. You had the parity that you desire. I mean, the the the, the postseason, uh, those last couple of rounds were fantastic. The games went right down to the final second. I mean, it was you couldn't have asked for more. They so. I'm not sure that you can blame the NFL in any form or fashion because you got entertainment. Yeah, and you had seven new teams in the playoffs, and now you head into the offseason with nine coaching changes, which is the most in 13 years, by the way. Mm. 2009 was the last time we saw this many mm-hmm. head coaching changes. Uh, looks like we're going to see our share of uh, quarterback changes, um, yeah, be it trade, be it free agency. Um, you know, we had two significant retirements at the quarterback position. One guy who played for the same team for 18 years and one guy who's, what is that, what's that, Brady, Brett, <laughs> Timmy, Tommy. Yeah, you I know. know, right? One guy, the one guy who's got everything. He's, you know, the championships, the most passing yards, the most touchdown passes, regular season post, they take your pick and so on. Two, two significant um Remove, you know, so those guys have to be replaced. Right. Um, to go along with, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, because they used the third pick on Trey Lance last year, um, unless they decide to stay. So who knows? I mean, we've been hearing about Aaron Rodgers for two years. We've been now hearing about Russell Wilson for a few years. Um, you know, the, the Saints didn't really replace Drew Brees per se because Jameis Winston wound up getting hurt, although he could wind up back there. Yeah. Um, and speaking of the same significant coaching change with Sean Payton stepping down, mm-hmm. um, you know, after being the coach there since 2006. Right. A lot of changeover. But it's intriguing mm-hmm. about the whole quarterback issue because I'm, I wonder if some of these guys that, you know, appear disgruntled in their current situations actually uh, can find partners without, you know, you know uh, the teams that bring them in paying through the nose to get them. It, sounds, yeah, I mean, it seems to me in every situation, almost in right. every situation, that you're, you're talking about a heavy amount of cash and whatever exchanging hands, and you can't be looking at a long-term, a long-term future for anyone, can you? No. I mean, listen, we've kind of gone through a little metamorphosis in terms of the quarterback position, in terms of youth, and most of that resides in the AFC, um, you know, because we've had so many heavy draft classes. Uh, in the first round, I mean, you think you think about 2018 it was Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield. Um, 2020 uh, was Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and Tua Tagaloa. Um, this this past year, um, uh-huh. you know, Mac Jones and uh, you know it, the AFC. It's you know really kind of. Uh, I don't want to say say the right word because you've got so much youth at the quarterback position on nearly every Zach Wilson. I can't forget Zach Wilson with the Jets. Second overall pick, Trevor Lawrence. Um, You know, you you look at Davis Mills, who wound up being the replacement for Deshaun Watson, whatever that situation is, by the way. Mm -hmm. That's another mystery. So so you go look at the divisions in the AFC. you know, right off the top of my head, I'm thinking, who's the who's the veteran quarterback in the AFC right now? And I'm doing this off the top of my head. Is it Derek Carr? I think it might be. Is it Derek Carr to the class of 2014? 
Okay, we're really not sure who the Broncos quarterback is going to be. Okay, Patrick Mahomes got there in 2017. He didn't, you know, he started one game as a rookie, and then he was MVP in 2018. He's got Herbert. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who knows what's going on with both? They seem very um, unsatisfied. At least Joe Dorsey seems pretty unsatisfied. Sure. But that would be, you know, it's funny, John, that, that would be standard fare for the Colts. And I say this with respect because I think Chris Ballard's one of the great GMs in the league. But do you know if they part ways with Carson Wentz? He took over the job in 2017, John. Mm-hmm. If they part ways with Carson Wentz, it will be six times in six years that they will open the season with a different starting quarterback. Wow. See, the, not a whole now, lot. Now, 2017, not... it was due to injury and yeah. so on. But remember, they've had Luck, they've had Jacoby Brissett, they've had Philip Rivers, they've had Wentz. Um, and they seem like they've got most of the other team right. They have you know, NFL leading rusher, they got Quentin Nelson, they got Darius Leonard, a lot of good pieces and so on, but we saw what happened to them in the stretch. Sure. Sure. Wow. Something to consider, I suppose. I, I, I'm wondering now that, you know, teams are beginning to consider franchise tags and, and uh, free agent possibilities and, uh, and the, you know, the insipid, you know, the uh, whole, uh, you know, uh, tampering period, you know, for free agents and everything. I mean, it just it seems silly to even it's sort of a contradiction of terms, as we all know, but that's just yeah, kind of how... It's like jumbo strip. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, if it's tampering, then it's illegal. But, I mean, it's legal tampering? Come on, that's a... Yeah, I just, right. it's, yeah, there's no such thing as legal tampering. But, okay, so they're doing it. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt in this instance. So many teams seem to start their direction from different areas. You know, whether or not it's the coach, whether or not it's the general manager, whether or not it's the quarterback, you know, whether it's trying to find out, you know, individual, you know, needs on teams, whatever. And, and Russell, you, you cover all the teams in the league for fan-sided primarily. I know that's where a lot of people read your things. And so as you're considering all these options for teams now that their off-seasons have officially begun, now we're by the Super Bowl and now we're through 2021 and we're on to 2022, um, I, I'm, I'm wondering if you find that, is there another team, is there another organization that's out there that yeah. just sort of seems primed for a move? Somebody that's been laying low in the weeds, maybe, and that if things go like we think they might go, they could actually make a move and, and, and be where the Rams are or, or be where the Chiefs have been in the AFC and maybe where the, the Packers or the Rams have been in the NFC? You know, I've kind of felt like that about Minnesota the last couple of years. Really? Okay. Okay. And ironically enough, it's been their defense that has let them down and not their offense. Okay. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson put up some pretty big point totals. Mm-hmm. Um, and But they haven't been able to stop anyone consistently. Uh, some of that is injuries when they lost Danielle Hunter for the year um, in 2020. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons Mike Zimmer was let go, was that's supposed to be his forte. And... There was no forte, okay? And yet, you know, the Vikings are scoring. Uh, let's let's uh, Irony of irony, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, the Vikings finished 8-9 this year, John. Right. One game under 500, right. okay? Mm-hmm. They scored 425 points. They gave up 426. Hmm. That's, that's so kind of, yeah, one that's... One game under 500 yeah. and one point under being even the point differential and so on. So, mm, Minnesota, like I said, Minnesota, I think, is a team with talent. 
If Arizona could figure out how to play the second half of the season, <laughs> they could be very, very intriguing. Yeah. But that we have now seen that multiple times. 2020, remember, they were 6-3, and three, mm-hmm. and then they went 2-5 and five and finished 8-8. Eight eight. Right. This year, they were 7-0. and oh. They didn't even win the division. They got blown out in the wild card game. But at least they made the playoffs. So, you know, if, if, if teams like that, I think, are intriguing. And I know the end, it's funny, the NFC, which is now one of the last two uh-huh. Super Bowls, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the playoff path there, it, it, it's more top-heavy. Okay, you know we saw in the AFC this year, nobody came close. To, I mean, remember the Chiefs were fourteen and two. Yeah. In two thousand twenty, every team in the AFC lost at least five games. I know we have seventeen games this year, but they still, you know, the Bills went lost twice as many games mm-hmm. as they did, even though they still managed, and they were wildly inconsistent, to say the least. I mean, that team went into Jacksonville and lost and couldn't score a touchdown. So, I mean, Minnesota and Arizona, I think, are very, very. Intriguing teams. You know, you're tempted to see the Chargers, uh, but I think the, the new head coach may have outguessed himself a few times last year. Um, and I think a, a bunch of coaches did that last year with going for two and going for the win. Um, it certainly hurt John Harbaugh in Baltimore. Right. You know, right. To, on numerous occasions. Okay. Yep. They, I want to say the lost. They lost a one-point game to the Rams, a one-point game to the Packers, and a one-point game to the Steelers. Okay. Okay? Yeah, then, right, right, sure. Least, I want to say in at least two, maybe three of those instances, they went for two at one at one time during the game, and so on said it's forcing overtime. Yep. So, right. um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it's listen, Cincinnati came a long way fast. Okay, mm-hmm. um, you know they had a little surge at the end of the year in 2020, but mm-hmm. it just depends on how how aggressive you want to be in free agency, well, how much money you want to spend. Now, I will say this: the cap jumped significantly this year. Well, that okay. was going to ask you about that because I know that you know with COVID and everything, there's more money apparently available. So teams yeah. that haven't always been as aggressive in free agency, cons- I guess they could be this year because there's more more money in the cap. And I'm wondering if that might encourage more people to you know maybe even slash down free agency and you know cut guys uh, to free up more cap space to go shopping for new guys. Well, that's it, it's interesting. I'm in the middle of writing a piece about the Steelers, John. Mm-hmm. And this is a team that's been cap-strapped for, I can't even remember how long, but a lot of that with Ben Roethlisberger's contract and so on. Um, they have cap space this year. Even Kevin Colbert talked about that. And um, and who knows how much, how much more they will open up and so on. Do the Steelers do what, you'll remember this, it was only three years ago. The Packers, draft, 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 didn't really do much in free agency. And then they went out one year and signed. Preston Smith, the linebacker from Washington, the Darius Smith, the pass rusher from the Ravens, Amos, um, uh, the safety from the from the Bears, mm-hmm. okay, uh, Billy Miller, who the offensive lineman, and they broke the bank in free agency, and it was the first year of Matt Lafleur in 2019, okay, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, they've been in the playoffs ever since. Does Pittsburgh do like what Green Bay did? And open up the checkbook a little more than they have. Pittsburgh's been pretty much a team that had cap problems, but they've usually 
retained the guys they wanted to retain. Okay, and obviously they gave T.J. Watt a huge contract before the start of the year, and of course he didn't live up to it. He only had, you know, tied the sack record, you know, the acknowledged sack record, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, but do they change? Listen, they hired a coach. They don't usually hire outside coaches. They brought in Brian Flores. Okay, they're about to go through a general manager change because Kevin Colbert is. At the very least, going to step down and have somewhat of a reduced role okay. uh, after the draft. Okay, he might still be on as an advisor. Is this is it the time? Listen, Cincinnati did this a couple of years ago. I mentioned DJ Reader. They gave Hendrickson big money. This is a team that very very frugal. And now that the cap goes from what one eighty two point five to two hundred eight point two. Okay, I, I agree with you. I think there are going to be some teams that maybe release some guys and open up even more room than they have. Uh, the Chiefs are in, right? They just let Anthony Hitchens go on and save some money. What are they going to do with Frank Clark? Uh, this, this is the time of the year. It's, it's funny. I've told people this. This is the time of the year where I, as a writer, and the people who do what I do, we get more reads now than we do during the regular season. Because everybody wants to know what's going to happen with their favorite team. And we're all guessing, too, okay, unless we have concrete information. But this is, this is the hot stove league, okay? This is the NFL's hot stove league. And you know how big that was for baseball for oh, yeah. years and years and years. Well, without any baseball hot stove league actually to, to talk about this year right now, why not, you know, stoke the fire on the NFL, you know, and it's their offseason stuff, it's, right? This year in baseball is more like, I guess it would be like a toaster oven, right? (laughs) Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Russell, it's always great to check in with you, my friend. It really is. So I I hope that uh, you're managing to stay busy, that you're catching a little sunshine today, and that uh, at some point in time as we get through the spring and the summer here, when we do our our monthly gig here, I'll have uh, the Marine give you a call and see if we can't reconnect a couple of times, if that's all right with you. Oh, that's great. Listen, I'm, I want to get on the horn to Roger Goodell because we need to schedule another Thursday night New England Patriots game. <laughs> so you can so get I here. Can come, up, come up and do the show live and come up and see the game and, and listen to you. Would so. love it. Would absolutely love it. It would be, be a blast and a half. So we'll, uh, we'll work on that when the, uh, the schedule is you know, getting put together. We'll, we'll drop some hints and see if anybody picks up on them. Yeah, I might drop a hint to like 54,000 people. So. <laughs> I think you should. I think you should. I think it sounds like a plan. Why not? If you if you have an army, you might as well take advantage of it. That's right. Okay. Russell, thank you, my friend. Be well. Enjoy, and enjoy the rest of your basketball season, by the way. Big, big year for the Big East, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, it's been a big year for them so far, so... You know, they uh, if they can manage to win two of the next three, they'll 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 clinch the title. And they hadn't done that in forty three years, so that's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. Wow is right. I know. It's big. It's wow. big. I, I never even realized that. When was the last time they were in the final four? Uh eighty seven. Eighty seven. Oh. I was I was at that's that's the when I was at college and pro football news weekly, but Howie Schwab. Wow, see? I bet Howie could tell you some stories about that. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to tell you how he could tell you every Final Four in existence. Probably so. Probably. I, and I'm not even exaggerating. <laughs> right? You don't, you don't stump that Schwab. No. So. No. <laughs> Most definitely. Thank you, my friend. Talk to you soon. You got it. All right. Russell Baxter, the one and only, uh, at Bax Football Guru. 
It's where you find him on Twitter. All right, so thanks to Russell, and obviously thanks to E. Scal, and thanks to Zach Cox from Nesson. Thanks to Chris Price from the Boston Globe for joining us on the program this week. Hey, thanks to you, because I know that, uh, you know, when we get into the offseason thing, sometimes without the regularity involved and the predictability and the next game to plan for and that kind of thing, you tend to put sometimes, I know it's hard to believe, some people put football a little bit on the back burner, or at least on a side burner, I understand. I get it, but the deal with the playbook here, all right? We're here the end of the month, once a month throughout the offseason. So our next show, Matisse, I looked at the calendar. March 30th is what we'll target. That's the last Wednesday in March. So uh, all things being equal, and we'll double-check that next week when uh, the Marine comes back from his uh, trip to Mickey Land. Um, March 30th should be on or about the, the date that we have the next uh, Patriots playbook, and then we'll do one at the end of April right following the NFL draft because we'll have reactions to the draft. And then at the end of May, we've got OTAs to talk about. The end of June, we'll have you know uh, preseason practices to talk about, and then we'll be going into our down period before training camp even begins. So it, before you know it, it'll be back around. There's a lot of work to be done. There's still a lot of time to go. Don't panic. Don't sweat it. Let the process play itself out. And you know at the very least we'll be here at the end of the month to kind of walk you through it and see if we can make some sense of it and tell you what we think is coming up next. Hope we can make that an appointment viewing, an appointment listening for you next month. Again, we'll target March 30th for the next edition of Patriots Playbook. Matisse, I thank you, my friend. All right, until next time, so long, everybody. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.